Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. If there was any doubt about making it to the finals after the year we've been through, that's all been wiped away. We've completed 20 rounds of football and we've finally arrived at the pointy end of the season, a month later than usual. But the weather's heating up and so is the Rugby League box head. We're finally here. Yeah, I haven't been in a rush to get here, put it that way. And we haven't had a hiccup, which has been good. So, uh, yeah, it's just a, it's a weird old year. It feels a little bit strange that we've still got Origin to come, but... Um... You know, I think, we, again, we just need to be grateful that we've got it and uh, lap it up. The weather's going to be perfect for finals footy and it's going to make for attacking uh, style of footy and it's going to be good. Looking forward to it. Yeah, the consistency of the storm continues. Top two finish, fifth year in a row. The Roosters, after a slow start to the year, the stoppage probably helped them out. Top four finish despite the result on the weekend. Looking for a three-peat. You've got Parramatta, started fast. Bit wobbly on the back end, but held onto that top four spot. The Panthers, after years of waiting uh, for a bit of stability and all these good young players to emerge and kick on. Ivan Cleary in year two with a bit of a clean out and some extra young blood. Dominant minor premiers. Um, <clears throat> we've got the Raiders in the back half. This year hasn't obviously been as smooth. They've lost some players, but they've grown. They've adapted along the way. I think they're obviously probably the biggest threat outside. And South who most of us probably didn't think. Uh, had much of a chance, just absolutely exploded the week before and have potentially announced themselves as a dark horse. Newcastle. Well, they're, they're certainly hitting form at the right time. Yeah, Newcastle and the Sharks rounding things out. The Sharks, unfortunately, still no wins against the top eight side. Injury to Sean Johnson, I, I dare say. Uh, you know, probably not. They are what you call cannon fodder. I will say one thing, though, again, John Morris in two years hasn't been dealt the best cards and he still made the final, so I have to give him a wrap on that. And Newcastle, long time coming, but back in the finals. Cousin Gary will be happy. Oh, yes. Cousin Gary and plenty of Newcastle fans out there again. Uh, not sure how it's going to go. They've had plenty of injuries, a lot to deal with during the year. Not exactly a, a great result for them last weekend in good form heading into the finals, but hopefully they give it a red-hot crack this week in their first appearance back in. But the top eight is settled, and we're looking forward to the football. Tonight's show, a bit different because the year's a bit different, Boxhead. So instead of doing our season reviews for all 16 teams at once at the end of the year, as we would, because we've got Origin to go into straight after the grand final preview, we're going to do it as we go along. So tonight, as well as looking in-depth at the four finals matchups, talking about the eight teams and what we think their strengths, their weaknesses heading into this final series, we'll review the seasons for the bottom eight teams that did not make the finals, because it's relevant now. And obviously, like you said, we're going to have that changeover coming into Origin time there, where there could possibly be three shows in a couple of days. It's not going to be as fresh at that point in time, so we may as well get it out of the way. Yeah. We won't be reviewing games from the round that's just gone. There was only one or two of any sort of relevance. Thank you, Lord. Not a whole lot to take out of it, but um, 
other than that, no power rankings, not needed again. We're settled on that. Yeah. And set of six, we will do before we kick off because there's plenty going. So let's kick ourselves off of that. Six things, topics, opinions, anything we want to talk about. Number one, and probably the big news, uh, it's been the big story all around the year, but more so now about off the field and the changes that are happening at the club, the Brisbane Broncos. Kevin Walters, two-year deal, apparently. Signed off, sealed, delivered. Uh, Paul Green, what hasn't been announced, has supposedly been informed that he's missed out on the job. If that's the case now, I'm assuming he's going to be one of the candidates for the Queensland job. As far as assistance and staffing, that was a big talking point. There's talk that Neil Henry is someone they're looking at. John Cartwright, I'm pretty sure, uh, this afternoon I heard, was all but guaranteed to be the first assistant coach that'll be going up there with Kevin Walters. And then the more interesting point to come around all this in the last few days is all the talk about Craig Bellamy and the Broncos. And they're going hard for him. And just before we uh, came on here, that seems like it's been ramped up. They're talking now a 10-year contract to get him up there yeah. as a GM of football. Well, where do you start? Look, uh, Brisbane have got who they wanted and Kevy's got what he wanted. Uh, I, you know my thoughts on Kevy Walters. I, I've got some huge question marks over whether he can handle... A, an NRL job, but B, uh, the Brisbane Broncos, which is a totally different job to just a regular run-of-the-mill <clears throat> run NRL club. So um, the administration, I mean, they interviewed him last time and he wasn't good enough, so I'm not sure what he would have said in this interview that would have convinced him that, um, you know, he's any more suited to the job. I think they've responded to external pressure and... You know, they've they've just bowed to that and they've given him the job. You know, Paul Green, via all reports, interviewed exceptionally well. He's won a premiership. He's got runs on the board. He's been at the Roosters. Uh, so that's sort of where I would have been heading if I was if I was the Brisbane Broncos. But, you know, they've made their bed now. Kevy's, um, I think Kev, Kevy Walters has been quite respectful this year in his dealings and his comments around the Broncos. I, I don't think he had... He never had a swipe at um, Anthony Seabold. Uh, he said he was disappointed in the club's performances, but he never really nah, made it personal. To all the other old boys. Uh, I think he's the way that he's handled himself. Uh, you know, I've I've really gained a lot of respect for Kevin Walters as a man. My uh, my questions are about him are not personal. They're nah, all professional. I'm just not sure he's the right man for the job. Um, Twofold, Roger. I'm just not sure yeah. whether he can handle um, an NRL job, but also with the pressure that comes with the Broncos, it's it's every week. It's not Origin. It's not just three games. No, and, and he struggles to handle three games at Origin. That was part of our thing. He rides that emotional roller coaster, and everyone's saying he's got the emotion <laughs> and the investment in this jersey, but this is more than just a couple of games. This is managing a top thirty. This is being part of recruitment. Retention, I don't, I don't even look culture, at that. Like, like I think you can do that. It's more about yeah, so what are you going to do if you win another wooden spoon? How are you going to respond? Because yeah. let's 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 keep it really honest here. I'm not sure where Brisbane go. Like their roster isn't going to improve significantly next year. So if they're in the exact same spot next year, where does he go? There's going to be the same questions about Seabold. I, I guarantee you that um, Seabold will, would have handled himself emotionally better than what Kevin Walters would if they were in the same position in 12 months' time. You've seen Kev Walters, and we're not saying New South Wales, and you know the way that he gets flustered during interviews, and he's you know he's, he's shed tears before in, in interviews talking about Queensland. And he's a passionate guy, I, I get all that, but hmm. my it's only question is when it, yeah, when it compounds and compounds and compounds... 
like I said, that, that, that goes back to my point, though. There's more layers to an NRL job. You're going to have guys that aren't happy that they're playing, or you're going to have things Yeah, but to all the stuff you mentioned is behind closed doors. There's like, I've got so no doubt many more do that. things. Yeah, but there's so and many more things. And it's as much about who it. he employs to help him with that. It's more the, the pressure around the job and having to front up to the media and front up to speculation and explain losses and explain why your team's losing and explain why your players aren't improving. Uh, that that's where the pressure I think is going to come, and then where do the ex players go? Are they going to come out and kick the shit out of Kevy like they did to Seabold? Seabold was an easy target. Uh, you know the club went through a process to appoint him, and then they just it's you know they were just looking for an excuse to kick him. So it'll be it'll be really really interesting. I, I'm not um, I'm I'm not either way on how Brisbane will go next year. I, I'll be watching on interestingly like everyone else. In terms of Craig Bellamy, like I mean, it's it's a smart move, no doubt about that. If they can get Craig Bellamy up there in any capacity, um, it's going to be a positive. But uh, I think Melbourne will be doing as much as they possibly can to keep him in some capacity. So again, I, what, what do you say to that? Like all these rumours about it's a five-year deal tonight, it's a ten-year deal. Melbourne are saying that he can live up on the Gold Coast but work for Melbourne part time. I don't know. Who knows? Bellamy said he's not commenting on it. He hasn't signed any off on anything. Let's just leave it till after the season. I'd rather talk about the footy than the speculation. I'll just leave it at that. If Brisbane can get Craig Bellamy, good on him. Good luck to him because it's a smart move. Yeah. He's one of the most astute brains in rugby league. And whether he's working as a coach or working as a coaching director or in a you know general manager of rugby league, whatever it is, he's going to be an asset to your club. Simple as that. I think the other thing about it, and we've already seen it again, he's already knocked it on the head. It's all been confirmed he's knocked it on the head. But yesterday, Bars and other people are already saying, oh, no, he signed it. It's, that, like, it's all bullshit. If there's one person who's shown that what they say to the media is what they mean, it's Craig Bellamy. And he said as much that there's nothing being signed and sealed on. He talked to them. They're heading into finals. It's not a priority right now. So we're not going to find anything out. You can get all the details, all the contracts, anything that potentially could happen. The other talk was that this is part of what got Kevin Mulders over the line and this was a condition of him getting the job. There's a million things that have been attached to it, but plain and simple, they're in a finals campaign. I, I doubt we're going to get to hear anything until it's all over, plain and simple. But to your point, and as a Melbourne person, I'd be devastated if he left in any capacity. It's already clear he's not going to be coaching after 2021. He said that himself. But I'd like to think that we could somehow keep him in any sort of role, coaching director, GM of football, whatever it is, distance, consultancy, even if he did want to go back home. And I have no doubt in my mind hearing Matt comment uh, Matt Tripp's comments, and he's been very strong on a lot of things, in particular the way Brisbane have gone after their CEO, Dave Donahue, and many other kind of parts of the Melbourne club that, you know, they haven't even talked yet. So nothing is settled. It's very clear, though, that Brisbane are coming in hard and heavy. And it's going to be considered that maybe he, if even if it comes to it, that maybe he doesn't want to travel on a weekly basis when it comes to it in 2022, and he might take that role. But I have no doubt this is not dead, buried, and guaranteed yet that it will be him at Brisbane, I'm sure Matt Tripp, when they do get time to finally sit down, will throw the absolute kitchen sink to make sure he's there from 22 and beyond, even if he does go home to Queensland. Yep. So, there you go. Assistance, like I said, yet to be cleared. Cartwright, though, for Kevin Walters, highly likely. Neil Henry, another name that's been mentioned. Terry Madison, and then, yeah, they're pulling out all the stops to try and get more people on board in the background and try and flip that club. But the Broncos starting to get some things locked in. As far as, like you said, playing roster for next year, still got a lot of question marks. A couple of guys there on big money. A few guys retiring, and I think they've got six or seven off contract. So while there may be some changes or some moves they make, given what's available, um, I don't know 
how many major moves they can make. I think the biggest move would be something we don't know about yet, or someone forcing their way out of a club, which we know a lot of players tend to be able to do quite easily these days. So, again, it's not something I think we're going to hear about or know much about until the final series has passed us by. Tackle two, that rooster's mauling. Seriously, I was absolutely dumbfounded sitting on the couch watching that unfold. Did not see that coming. I've had people (laughs) throw a million different things. The 50-point theory that once you've conceded 50, you can't win the competition. It's history. Uh, You know, other people have the conspiracy theory. They're throwing the game, which, again, honestly, that's the most ridiculous thing ever. If you're going to throw the game or you wanted to lose that game to somehow change the matchup or you weren't worried about it, you wouldn't have put Tedesco, Kiri, and all those guys in the field. That's just a pointless statement to make. Robinson's not that bloody thick. I struggle more from a playing perspective and a coaching perspective to think that we've all been involved in a game, or I don't know about you, but I've been involved in one or two games in my life where it just felt like nothing went right on the night and it didn't matter what you did, it just wouldn't turn around. And then on the flip side, where everything felt like it went wrong, every pass stuck, every kick, every tack, like just everything felt perfect. So I don't know whether it's that. I don't know whether it was a, a lack of respect. Is it the fact that it was the last round and it didn't mean anything to him? Like, and then again, I buy into it and think it's it's Roosters versus Rabbitohs. It always means something. Yeah, I don't know. Man. I, I, I don't know what to make of it, but I just I think the scarier part is I just never ever thought that side, this coach, this team that I'd be saying they got beat sixty to eight by anybody in any circumstance. I'm a bit dumbfounded as to how that that game unfolded and how they played. Yeah. Um. I don't really know what to say. It was a shock. It was a shock, but... Um, uh, this wrong, mate. South, yeah. I thought South were extremely good. They were. That's as good as I've seen South Cody play since they won the competition. Different world. Uh, the Roosters looked tired. They looked slow. They looked a little bit um, despondent. So it's concerning. It's 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 a major concern for the Roosters. I, you know, if you had said to me at the start of the year that the Roosters would lose one game by 60, even with all their players out, I'd say definitely not. So it is a little bit of a black eye. And rolling into this week, you know, they've now got to play Penrith at Penrith in just what is a monster game. Like, awesome game. Match. Awesome. But, you know, we probably thought this time last week, and this is why we don't look at the draw, that uh, they'd probably avoid each other and, and end up playing in the grand final. But here you go. They're going to be the first game in the final series. So uh, it's there's huge question marks. All this rubbish about, you know, conceding 50 and not winning the comp. Well, the Roosters will decide whether that yeah, comes true or not. not. You know, you can, you can roll out as many stats as you want. Yeah. It's a we it's a stat a it's a stat that doesn't mean anything really. Plain It'll mean simple. something if they lose. Yeah, but plain and simple, they play their best football. They're the favourite, if not one of the favourites. It's not, it's not a tangible. Forget stat. the score. You don't just get to look at it and go right, from there on. They can't turn that around. That's bullshit. You know, it's like the record of well, yeah. no one ever, no one goes back to back. Well, the Roosters did. Yeah. You play your best football, or they play their best football. Forget the score. They come in the competition. Yeah. The worry is, like you just said, are they tied? Are the injuries a concern? Is the Boyd Cordner, Jake Friend thing an issue? The nine. You know, guys resting, hot, cold, this, that, and the other. Are they, are they in good form? Are they struggling a bit? This year? You just don't know. Has it taken its toll? Is there a few blokes carrying niggles we don't know about? I think the best thing for me this week, and I heard people talk about the weekend in different forms of media and papers and reading things. Oh, some are going, you've got to deep dive. You got to... I'm like, I don't think you need to deep dive and stress about this week. That needs to get flushed, plain and simple. I'm not saying you just 
wipe it all together. Like you talk about it in, in some form or fashion, but well, I think you do. The reality talking is talking about it is it's not doing anything for you. Yeah, but I, I, this week is it's game time. It's finals. Resting on it, video over and over, and days and days and days of dwelling. Like just put it down to that's the worst we could possibly play. We never want to see that again. Let's go change it this week. Plain and simple. They haven't won two premierships mm. by mistake. Yep. They've done it in all different circumstances. We know they're a quality side. That is mm. just, it's an abomination of a game. But if you deep dive into it, overanalyze it, and freak out for the rest of this week, all you're doing is bringing more stress to everything that we're already talking about and everyone else is already bringing up, which is about Boyd Cordes, concussions, Jake Friend not playing, what happened last week, you know, who's going to be picked on the bench, who's going to miss it. Like, there's a lot of things that are now swirling around from that mm. result. I actually was surprised. Uh, oh, I don't know why I'm saying I'm surprised. I wasn't surprised at all. I thought Robinson in the press conference was very even keel and pretty straight up and down about it. He didn't give a whole lot. He didn't freak out. He didn't overanalyze. He didn't blame anyone. He just basically, yeah, he was as shocked as anyone. But it's game time now. And they're back-to-back premiers for a reason. So yeah, Exactly right. I'd expect a much better performance this week. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to the extent of people going, oh, I'd be... Super worried if I was playing the Roosters this week because, again, if you're willing to dish that up, you have no idea what you're going to get. But I think we do know. Like mm. I said, they're not back-to-back premiers for no mistaken reason. So I'm sure if you told the Panthers they get Parramatta or the Roosters off that result, they'd still rather be playing Parramatta. Definitely. Yeah, but, definitely. Um, yeah. No, no oh yeah, absolutely no um, no argument with that. No friend, Manu, Morris back in on that right-hand side. Uh, you know, Obviously, that was probably the main spot where they picked them apart. As far as the makeup of the bench, I haven't had a, a look at that just yet. But you'd expect there's a few guys that need to play their best football. Tedesco, a lot of rest, lots of ups and downs this year. They haven't had to really get out of top gear. But this week, I'd expect him, Toki, JWH, guys that have had rest to really find their best football. And I'm sure Luke Keery hasn't played a worse game than what he played last week, chasing points, mind you. But I expect all those guys to be at their absolute best. Yep. So, yeah, agree. Yeah. I, they'll, they'll bounce back, whether it's going to be good enough to... To win, I guess the question out of this: Do we do we for the the Rabbitohs? Mm. Is that the confidence boost you need? Like it's one thing to beat the Roosters, it's consistency, but the fashion they beat them in. If you were ever going to make a statement heading into the finals, or give yourself a game for Wayne Bennett to walk in and say, "I've been telling you that we can win the competition," that's it. It's whether they, like you said, consistency. We haven't seen this because a week before they lost the Bulldogs. Yeah, and losing Sewer and heading to that game, I, I thought honestly the Roosters might make the statement, not the Rabbitohs. If there's one thing I'll take it out, if they can do that to the Roosters, they can certainly win the Premiership. It's just plain and simple from now. Three weeks in a row, can they string that together? Can yep. they be that hot? And if it's been proven before, and I think he said in his own press conferences, their worst enemy in a lot of the games is themselves. They're very... If they get error-prone, like they did that second half when we were there at Melbourne, and to start handing the football over and get frustrated, they can play themselves out of a game. And I think my point at the start of the year, when I had them at the bottom of my eight... Before the rule changes, I had big questions on their forward pack and the roll on. I guess with the rule changes and more ball and play and fatigue, it's probably kind of flipped a little bit about their forward pack. It's not as big as a concern before in the kind of wrestle and slow down and stop start kind of football. Yeah, you just had guys develop as well. Probably yeah, better. is a lot better. I think, you know, Big Burgess has been a lot better this year. Bailey Sheeran's done a great job on that edge. Sue has developed into a, someone who's probably going to play Origin. The makeup of their bench has slowly gotten better. Campbell Graham, I thought, was someone that we looked at for origin. I think the way he's going now and the injuries, if we're going to honestly reward people on form, he's got to be in there somewhere. Yeah. If we're being dead yeah. serious. Like, again, I'm, 
Sounds like most weeks hating, but like the turbo thing, if we were being serious on form and his injuries and the concerns, you wouldn't have picked him. No. Let's be honest. You wouldn't be picking him. No. I'm sure if he's healthy and he plays his best football, yep, he's definitely on our side. But if we're rewarding people, uh, I think Campbell Graham, most certainly, whether it be a winger or a centre spot, can do either job in a rep side. Yeah, agree. Pretty much so. Agree, man. Um, yeah, they certainly made a statement. I think this week, if they want to back it up, they should murk, absolutely murk Newcastle. Because yep. Newcastle are looking flat, predictable, a bit worn out. It really wouldn't surprise me if they play their best football and get a little bit of what we saw last week. We don't see a 20, 30 point shellacking. Get some real confidence for the week after where I think, uh, what game are they? They're 6v7. So they're going to get the loser of Storm Eels. If Melbourne do what I think they're going to do as well, and yep. Parramatta loses and they have to play South, I think there's a real possibility we're going to see South week three in the prelim. Yeah, I, I agree. Because if Parramatta I lose, I'd hate to say it to all the Parramatta fans out there, I reckon they'll be really fragile the week after, if that's the case. Yeah. And if well, they are really fragile and we're South speculating. got them a couple of weeks ago, that's a very dangerous formula. Yeah, but, um, but we're speculating. Yeah. I think, yeah, for the Roosters, roll, roll on. Let it roll off the back. Let's see what we get this week. Tackle three. <clears throat> Two incidents over the weekend at the judiciary right now. Luke Thompson's eye gouge and the old hip drop. Um, in both counts, the eye gouge I only just kind of really saw today. I think it's more shit placement than anything where his hands are and a bit sloppy. All the notes I'm reading here and what I was reading live on the website, it seems like he, there was a real possibility he was going to get off the charge. But what did you think? You were... You saw the game. Oh, was that the game? Yeah. I was out and about. Uh, I look, I, I thought um, I thought the motion towards his eye was unintentional. I thought his finger stayed there for longer than what they needed to. That'd be my take on it. I don't think it was intentionally. He, he certainly didn't. You couldn't visibly. He couldn't visibly see his hand hit hit Tamo's eye, but. I think once you get to an eye, you know what an eye feels like, and yeah. I feel like he pushed and and uh, certainly applied some pressure to Tamo's eye. Yeah, would be my take on it. Is it the worst crime in the world? No. Is it the worst eye gouge ever? I've Definitely ever seen? Not. Definitely not. It was silly. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I, I think he's pretty. I think, he's already... I think if if we gave Kevin Proctor a month, he deserves a month. Well, looking at this now. is worse than. I've just updated it, and he's been found guilty. Dangerous contact to the eye, careless. Because basically what I was reading, everything on careless, the yeah. other side was they were playing it in slow motion. His lawyer basically said, we play it in fast. It's barely a fleeting moment. He doesn't apply pressure. He doesn't get a good push, and it's not an extended gouge. So realistically, they've had it downgraded to careless contact with the eye. So I think the biggest thing for Luke Thompson, he's already been referred two or three times already since he's been here. There's been a shoulder charge. There's been a bit of niggle. He definitely needs to clean it up. And Barrett's coming the next year. They've signed him on a long-term deal. He's supposed to be the best forward coming out of England. I'm sure, and we said this weeks ago, it's uncomfortable. He's come out here without his family. He's got no one around. He's got no friends. The COVID times make it everything a bit harder. So I don't know if it's a bit of frustration of that or maybe he's got into a situation which is a bit more than he expected. I'm sure the league itself is definitely a mass uh, improvement in quality to what he's used to in the Super League. Um, but the biggest thing is you just don't get away with this shit in the NRL. We've said it before, a lot of stuff in the Super League, they've only got a couple of camera angles, but we've got a thousand. They yep. pick up on everything. There's nothing you can do, basically, and get away with it. And it's all good to be aggressive, but channel it the right way. Some of the stuff he's already been involved with and in, in racking up some points, it's, it doesn't help you long term. doesn't. If the next 12 months this kind of continues and he keeps going back and he plays poor football, 
it'd be a failed signing, and I, it wouldn't surprise me if he tries to head home or if they were trying to encourage him to head back home. But so far, the sample size we've had, I know it's in the you know one of the worst teams in the competition. It hasn't been exactly you know a, a great kind of start to his time at the Bulldogs. The other one, the hip drop, was terrible. I do, however, go on the flip side of it to the point that I don't think there was intent to injure. I just thought it was a shit tackle by someone who's barely played any football this year. The technique was horrible. Um, but yeah, the actual theory of you know intent, like to go out there and intentionally hurt somebody, no. Nah. Yeah. I don't agree with that. Those comments, but I think we were alive, was Brandy on the commentary. So like, that's, you know, purpose to injure. Like, I just think it's ugly. It's an ugly tackle. It shouldn't happen. We've seen a couple. They need to stop. Um, but that one in particular on the weekend was just, yeah, really piss poor technique to try and finish off tackles. Well, well you, you never lose your legs. No. Nah. And in the heat of the moment. It's there, ineffective technique. Yeah. So it's certainly not something coaches are teaching. No. Nah. That's definitely not well, exactly what you just said there. You lose your legs, you lose all control of the tackle, and you've got to get off the ground just like the other player does. Just, it just makes zero sense. So it was very, very ordinary, though. Yeah. Very bad. Laurie yeah, that. went off, come back on, uh, went off again, I think, another one later on. I don't know the extent or if he's come out of that clean. Their season's over, but not a good look. No. And it's been pretty much brought out there by Annesley that maybe the message isn't getting through to some players, so they want maybe ramp up the base penalty for those tackles now and what's been happening, but... Yeah, there's been a lot of them. They've been getting around for a while. It's certainly something we don't want to see, but there you go. He uh, hasn't had his case heard yet. He'll be in not long after because that decision for Luke Thompson was only not long ago, but Luke Thompson, guilty of dangerous contact to the eye. It doesn't say here how many weeks. Um, just says careless. Well, there you go. I don't know what that justifies as far as the charges are concerned, but yeah, if you're getting done for... I'd assume you're still going to get a couple of weeks at least. Mm. So he won't be playing to start next season, you'd assume. Tackle four, the Queensland coaching gig. If Kevin Wilders is now off to the Brisbane Broncos, plenty of talk that Paul Green's basically assuming for that. Wayne Bennett's name's been brought up, and then Mel Meninga's name got thrown back in the ring, which to me is a conflict of interest. I don't think you can be the Australian coach involved with the Titans, which, you know, not trying to say it to stir you up or not, but I have no doubt that there'd be some parts in his job where you're selling players to come there that you know you're the Australian coach and you've got ties like, there's plenty of stuff there I think when they would be going after yeah, I, think, I think it's more the players do it's that all that kind fair. of stuff but yeah I think there's no way you could let someone be involved with those two things and a club I mean, there's way too many lines getting across there and strings getting attached yeah I'd agree with that so as far as him I think he's been there done that stick with the Titans setup stick with the Australian coaching job Wayne Bennett or Paul Green though Paul Green I think Emotionally, and the way he handles himself would probably be good for an Origin series, and I think be a bit of a change compared to the type of person Kevin Walters, Kevin Walters was. Wayne Bennett. But are we talking about long term or just for this series? Ah, oh, if it's I, just for this series, I'll just leave. I'd let Kevin Walters do it. I think they want that preseason sorted underway. That but how are they going to have a pre? He's not going to be because it starts in November. So Origin's going to be November four, eleventh and eighteenth. I think. I think the preseason starts back November one. How they're gonna? That's that's impossible because the players are gonna have eight weeks off. I don't know. It's impossible. There's no about. there's no way that preseason training is gonna start start in November. Talk, no well, I mean, just everything in general. I think they're talking planning this. That, the other yeah, but I, I but know. he's done all that. So as far as how it's gonna go. There. Oh yeah, if it's not him, I'd give it to Bennett because Bennett. Well, Short term. Yeah, just I don't. I'm not sure whether that's something that Paul Green really needs to get involved with. If it's long term. 
and they Graham's say, look, come in and, and take the job now. And then if Paul Green wants to do it for, you know, sign a three-year deal or whatever and do it, then I'd say Paul Green's the man for the job. Yeah. If it's just this year because Kevin Walters isn't, isn't able to do it, which I disagree with, I'd go with Wayne Bennett. Well, because talking... he's done it before. He'd bring his own staff. He, he's, you know, well in the groove of coaching because he's, he's coaching week to week, whereas Green and Walters aren't. So I'd, I'd lean Wayne Bennett. That's how I'd go. Yeah, there was talk today about some players that hasn't been officially announced yet, but some of the players that would potentially be in their train-on squad. And there was a couple from the Titans. Brimson, no surprise. Philip Semmy's apparently going to be someone who may be in line for a backline spot, given some of the injuries and some of his form this year. Um, but yeah, other than that, they haven't officially announced everything yet, but you could assume might be a couple of Broncos, not as many as there would have been at the start of the year. A couple of Cowboys would have been in the running, but we've seen Morgan, Felt, etc. pull out. So they're a bit light on troops right now, that's for sure. Yeah. And you'd assume that there'd be Tino, Sewer, a couple of those guys getting debuts once the finals campaigns are over. But yeah, if it, like I'm pretty much with you. If it's short term or just for this year, I'd throw away better. Give him a run. Bit of nostalgia. Freddie versus Wayne. Uh, and he's always good in these kind of situations. I'm sure he'd put together a good side and get him up for that few weeks in the bubble. Yeah. But yeah, if it's a long-term thing, I think Paul Graham would be a better option. But the Mal Meninga thing that was thrown up, I just don't think you can be involved club, state, and country. There's too many lines being crossed there to have that many attachments. But we'll see what happens in that situation. Tackle five. This whole Daly M situation, if I read correctly yesterday, is that now Nathan Cleary isn't being docked six points. And they've stuffed it up. And apparently that the Frank Polatour, I think it was, is involved in awards and that, that there's a difference between an off-field suspension and on-field suspension and points being taken away. And apparently now he's got all his points back. So I don't know whether that's it. <laughs> it's all very confusing. And it was all very sudden because there's been plenty of talk about the last few weeks. But as it went behind closed doors halfway through the season at round 10, he was equal on 11 points with Jason Talmalolo. And who else did I have? Sean Johnson. And ahead of him was Gufferson and Cam Smith on 12, Harry Grant on 13. You could assume Harry Grant missed some football. They didn't play as well. Wouldn't have collected many more points. Cameron Smith missed a few games, but when he has been playing, he'd racks them up. Parramatta obviously had a bit of an up and down few weeks there. Gufferson would have got the three points in a couple of those games, I'd assume. But if Nathan was only that far behind and Penrith haven't lost a game, you'd assume he's collected plenty of points I think he's won it and he's easily. almost a guarantee now and I think this might be behind closed doors I think he would have won it easily even without with or without the points well I get the feeling that maybe if not this might be a bit of a wink wink nudge nudge that we don't yeah, want the whole kerfuffle that he lost it on the back of the six points so. I'd be shocked if he's not six points clear I don't know and the only ones around him Elsa that I saw at the time Dufty was on nine they obviously didn't finish the year off it says more about our voting system yeah. I think I just thought it was very, very strange that suddenly that came out. So, Yeah, well, you're more into conspiracy theories than I am. I'm not a conspiracy theory. I just saw it yesterday and thought, well, why now? Is it because potentially he might have been going to lose the award because of the six but points? And there's why, been why not now? Because just, if it was two weeks later, we'd be bitching and moaning that it was two weeks longer than what it should have been. So, I, I don't know. It should have been dealt with at the time. should have been made very, very clear. They need to have a policy put in place now to clarify is there a difference between an on-field and an off-field offence? Simple as that. Uh, to make this very, very clear when this happens in the future, because we know it's going to happen again. Well, I think they clarified that last year, obviously Payne Haas won an award there and he had an off-field 
incident which didn't affect him getting an award at the Daly Medals as compared to, you know, on field issue. Also, or depends what it is. Wise, so, yeah. Wasn't Payne Haas, it was because of his mum or something, wasn't it? I think he didn't cooperate though in talks with the NRL as to why. I don't really remember that one, but he missed yeah. the first couple of games. At the but back. it was a family issue. Yeah. Tackle six to finish us off. Of the eight teams, Brock, how many can win the competition? Five. Storm. The top five. Panthers. Roosters. I don't think South can. I've got the top five. You think last week was just... I don't think they can do it four weeks in a row. I think that was the perfect night, like I was going to talk about. One of those things which just comes about and everything clicks. Well, they're going to have to beat probably three top four sides in a row in three consecutive weeks. They'll play... Newcastle this week, which are Jekyll and Hyde. Who knows what the hell will happen in that game, but you'd think that South will get through. Then they'll have to play top four sides. They'll have to play a top four side that's coming off a loss. They'll then have to play a top four side who's had a week off. And then more than likely, you think they're going to have to play a top four side in the grand final. I just, it's, there's going to be a year when a bottom four team is going to win it, but I certainly won't have my money on them. Because this season has been hard enough with. The 18 rounds in a row. I think that the teams that win this weekend from the top four are going to be at such a huge advantage with that extra week off and rest ahead of those grand final qualifiers. I think it's it's a more difficult year than uh, it regularly is to win from the bottom of the eight. Uh, I know a lot of people are saying that this is the year that it's going to happen, but if you really look at it, uh, I think it's actually going to be harder for those teams. The, I guess the the positive is is that. For Canberra and South, it looks they look fairly straightforward games, don't they? This week, it looks like they should win them quite well, if they're comfortably. they're both serious, so. they would, you'd think, get the job done mm. fairly comfortably this week. And then, like you said, you're going to get a team. You're going to get either the Roosters on the back of two cons- consecutive losses. That'll be the Raiders. Or they're going to get the Panthers, who have had their first loss, staring down the barrel of elimination. So they're going to have no pressure heading into that match. Mm. Uh, and then South are going to get Parramatta, as you said, who could be rattled. And they've already whacked Parramatta once. They've whacked them, and they that. certainly caused Melbourne some problems that night at ANZ when we were there. So yeah. they'll go into that match with some confidence. I think it's as much how these grand final, uh, sorry, the top four qualifying finals play out than what it is the bottom four games. Uh, in that, if they, you know, if they built the shit out of each other and it's a really, really hard game, and they get an easy game this week, then it, it can be a positive, but. I would find it shocking. I think this after this week, we're going to have two teams that can win the comp. And in my eyes, it'll be the two teams that have with the, the week off. Yeah. Well, I'm with you. And that's why one thing I was, again, said it all along, thought we, we lost the opportunity to play the Parramatta uh, and the Storm. Sorry to all the Parramatta fans out there, but I'm very, very happy about the way things worked out. Well, you'd written it off for weeks and weeks and weeks. So I said, yes. yeah, just relax. Let it play out. If we lose on the weekend, I like. there's no way we're in the comp, but I'll be bitterly disappointed. I think if there's one thing in this season that was needed, like you said, to win week one is going to be huge. Yep. I think we've got the better matchup of rather playing Panthers or Roosters, and if we get the job done and get to week three, like you said, massive opportunity, given the circumstances, being a bubble, all the movement this year. I, I just don't think you could get much bigger an advantage. And same for someone like Penrith. I think... More to the point we talked about a few weeks ago. I think the biggest thing for Penrith isn't going to be grand final day or a prelim final. I think it's this way. Proving to themselves after all the noise and the win streak that come finals time, they can knock somebody off in a big game with pressure. They've been in plenty of big finals along the way. I know everyone says, oh, well, it's not the same thing. But 
you know, there's a couple of guys that have played rep football, but all the juniors have played in every single New South Wales, Australian schoolboys, 16s, 18s, 20s, New South Wales Cup grand final. Like most of them that played in the Cup thing have experienced a real grand final day as well. They know what success looks like. They know what big games are. They've played in big games. I think it's more just getting over that hump of expectation this week. And if the Panthers can win this week and you head to week three over the Roosters, I think they'll be very confident they can get the job done. Yeah, I agree. So I think this is the big one. But yeah, I'm similar to you. Um, I have a little more faith in what South did, but it's more exactly you get to that point. You want to reflect a week earlier, though, they did lose to the Bulldogs. Yeah, so, whoever wants to have their money on South, good luck to you. Tell you what, I, just, I just won't be. I've got nothing against If South. they catch fire and they run through the finals playing anywhere similar to that or they can play that sort of football, they'll be a genuine threat if they can get the grand final day playing like that. And if Cody Walker plays like he did. But again, they've been so far between for Cody Walker. Yeah. Oh, there you go. There's a set of six wrapped up for this week. No power rankings, but we're going to review the bottom eight teams from this season. Brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre. Want to know what's worse than seeing your team cop the wooden spoon this season? It's getting slapped with a rising power bill that puts you on an edge more than an origin of cider. Penrith Solar Centre are Western Sydney's leading solar specialists and are helping local families take control of their bills. Let the sun work for you, your home, and your back pocket. Contact the Penrith Solar Centre today on 820 2930 to discuss how you can become the real winner this season or go to www.penrithsolar.com.au. Boxhead. <clears throat> Last... 16th, the Brisbane Broncos, three wins, 17 losses, their first ever wooden spoon, two wins pre-COVID. Um, heading into the break with the rule changes, I think a lot of people would have thought that that would have benefited them, but they got shellacked first game back. They got hammered a week later by the Roosters, and things just snowballed from there. It was never the same. The, the noise started coming from the old boys about how embarrassing <laughs> things were, pressure, on the halves combination, Milford, this, that, and the other, unrest within the group, divide between the older players, the younger players, you know, Seabold, Corey Parker didn't come back into the bubble. He started attacking. He was one of the assistants. Ben Cross was let go. It just gathered momentum and it never stopped. Yeah. There was then the off-field stuff and rumours about him, his family. It just got way out of control. And I think the bigger thing when they come back in, like we said, the amount of injuries and issues they had, Fafita didn't come back after the bubble, couple of guys, you know, McCulloch got loaned out, Turpin gets injured, snowball of suspensions, injuries for the rest of the year, and it just never, ever looked good. Off-field stuff, the way the club handled it, Paul White, Carl Morris, there was no way I can dress this up because we've talked about it all year and it doesn't need a real big review. There was no real positive to come out of this other than a handful of those kids, I guess, in the back end of the season. Like Ariki's last few games, did and when he finally got his opportunity, Stags, who now is blowing his ACL, so that's devastating. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, Harrison Carrigan's consistency, I guess, but like the amount of shit that flew around here and the amount of divide at all levels and the mismanagement from top to bottom is, goes back to exactly what you're saying. Kevin Walters has got his dream job, but my God, I hope he's ready and he gets good staff and they make some positive changes because it's most of it, as we all know, goes back to the head coach, but then a lot of things need to change not just the coach. There's going to need to be a lot of cultural change, maybe some board changes. Morris, I think most have kind of neglected the fact that regardless of what do you think Paul-wise, business-wise, he's made that club a lot of money in a short space of time. So commercially, he's been a success. Paul White's moving on. Who's the CEO? Do they get Dave Donahue from Melbourne? Do they get somebody else? There's a lot that needs to change. But the biggest thing is the attitude of that playing group. And there's still some bad contracts there. And there's still some people that need to be moved on. 
Boyd's gone. McCulloch's coming back off a major injury. You can't shake that. They're trying to get rid of Bird for half the price. Um, the talk originally was that if Ken Wilder's got the job, he'd be happy to work with Bird, but we're still hearing conflicting reports there. Anthony Milford took up his option for a million dollars. He worked with him back in 2015, but that's a lifetime ago now. And then you're not starting with stags and fafitas out the door. Yeah, look, we spent too much time reviewing the Broncos because they added, they added zero. They, they added a lot of paper to this year's season. They added zero quality on the field. Yeah. Uh, they ran their coach out of town. Uh, the players were awful, culminated by a gender reveal on the field on Oof. Friday. That was fucking embarrassing. Yeah, it was celebrating. I, 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 yeah, I, I, I saw it on the Thursday Night League thing. They were showing it. Like, good on Darius and his wife. Like, yeah. congratulations. But, I, yeah, time and place and You've context. You've just collected and, a wind-spurred life. I know he's retiring. I, he's going to uh, the club. Yeah. They are in a place that I thought I'd never see the Broncos. Mm. So, Walter's got his hands full. They should all hang their heads in shame. They were they were awful this year, and they they cost their coach his job. It's going to cost a few careers. It's cost a club, a very proud club, their reputation. They're they're the side that's handed them their first wooden spoon, and they deserve the wooden spoon. So they really need to just get back to basics and rebuild their culture. You're not Kevin Walters isn't going to walk in there and the culture's just back. No, that that culture oh. is going to take. Two, probably three years to rebuild. And the thing, again, what we bring up here, like you, you put the blame on Seabold, but there's some bad eggs in this playing group. No yes. names, but name, but there's some cancers but, in there. But put and the some... blame on Seabold. Like, I, for anyone that says that, I don't I don't get it. Like, do you think that coaches that are in charge, do you, but do you think coaches that are in charge, whether they get sacked or they're successful, are implementing bad culture and bad process and bad values? In the end, coaches get sacked because of bad performances and bad results. That doesn't mean that they're bad coaches. It means that either there's a disconnect in, in the way that they teach, their teaching isn't effective, or that they just have players that don't try. I think there's a few within that group, like we said. And I'm not defending Seabold. I, no. I think uh, he deserved the sack in the end. 100%. But there's some, definitely some issues in that group that need to be resolved. Absolutely. There was a divide between young and old. Look at how they went with Peter Jennel. Yeah, Different coach. The coach is the issue, apparently. Mm. But did they win a game with Peter Jennel? No. I don't think they did, did they? Nope. So, but I didn't hear the the bellowing and the, you know, the agenda-driven witch hunt from ex-players and also the club, uh, also the media in regards to Peter Jennel. As of this point, because we're doing this earlier than what we usually would, uh, there's no real signing news. There's a lot of guys off contract. Nothing's really settled. They've lost plenty. Um, but yeah, at the back end, I guess, when we get to post-season and origin, like, it's going to be different this year. It's not as easy as when we usually do. Yeah. See, see in March. A lot of this is kind of settled. And then so. we'll, it'll be more about how we preview them next next year. We're going to Yeah, know. and if there's any changes. But we're, we're dealing with the information we've got now. Yeah. Moving on. Dogs, 15th. Same record, 3-17, but obviously finished up. Uh, a bit better on four and against, much better because they they're a bit better defensively. But it was a hard year before they even got on the field. It started off with Ockenbaugh and uh, obviously Corey Harrower and Ira. And Dean Pay lost two players, especially Corey, that definitely would have been in his side, which already lacked quality and impact. They lost a major sponsor. And there was murmurs before a ball was even kicked that his job was under threat. And they were looking to go in a different direction. Off-field noise, board issue. Like, again, all the kind of stuff that as a coach, 
he's out of your control. But at the end of the day, for some reason, you wear all the responsibility. Sacked mid-season. Or sacked, uh, you know, along the way there. George Alice brought in as the interim. You know, it's the same old, same old for them. They had a million different combinations. Listen, Dean Pay got an absolutely dud deal. 100%. An absolute dud deal. He's gone through all the shit work for him, done the shovel, got to the salary cap yeah, But we said that when he got appointed. Yeah, it looks like they're, it's be you know, a two-year deal or whatever. They got him in there to wield the axe. They're in a better position now than what they were when he took the job over. 100%. And surely that was that, that was that's the role of the coach. But the disappointing thing is they brought and they, him in. They went in and got they went and got Trent Barrett, who is proven as an excellent assistant coach, but he's not proven as a head coach. No, and again with all the instability and issues that they've got. And going they talk on. about they want a Bulldogs player, and you know, you know, Bulldogs we're all family. Hmm. Well, Barrett's not family. Pay was they, they treated Pay. Horrendously, and you know, look. I think the the, I guess the jury's out on Trent Barrett. I don't. Know. I, I think he's a great coach, great educator. I think the question mark lies whether he can handle the other elements of the job. Well, he gets a fresh crack here because, like you said, all the dirt work that Pay did and never got to see the fruits of it yeah. with salary cap, players, rosters, and all the things that people go. He needs to change. Like, what what could he change? If only Dean Pay was walking into the situation that Trent Barrett's walking into. He, he's the reason they're in this situation right now. He'd done all the dirt work to get to this point because apparently you would have thought originally, and I'm sure it's what was said to him with the board and things changed obviously since the start there, that he would get the opportunity to clean this place out. They were going to go through some suffering, do the best you can with these kids, ingrain that culture, ingrain the dogs of war. Let's see what we can get. We might find a buy here or there or make some moves with our salary cap that are beneficial. And when the time comes, we'll spend some money and we'll get things back on track when we get to that point. But unfortunately, whether it be... Cogger, uh, Wakeham, Avarillo had a crack. Foreign when he was healthy. Lachlan Lewis they had a million halves combinations. A couple of different nines from Katoa, Marshall King, etc. Outside backs thought they'd be a bit more consistency, you know, from your Dallins and your Remuses this year. They weren't exactly great either. Form drops. Dallin went from being great when he first arrived to being pretty ordinary this year. Hopwadi, steady without being outstanding. Foreign when he's on the field, as we all know, is their best player, but can't stay healthy. And they didn't get value for money. Uh, they tried to keep him around. He's moved on, gone back to Manly right now. But that's a big hole. And they've got someone, again, they, they were happy with Blake Green, but they've bought him off an ACL. So that's not really fixing your problem when he can't play to start the season either. So heading into next year, I know they've got plenty of talk now that they weren't going to poach from Penrith, but obviously all the names that are linked are all Penrith <laughs> players. Yeah. And they've gone through the front door and they've done it the right way. We're, you know, All well and good, but let's put it this way said it before and I'll say it again as a manager or as a player if I'm Matt Burton Charlie Staines etc yes he's your assistant you might like him he might be able to pay you more money but my career move right now would not be to go to the Bulldogs <laughs> no plain and simple spot on the Bulldogs is not where I'm heading spot on uh, or, or Brisbane see you later yeah I, I think there were some positives in you know if I tell a Mariner when he got healthy Avril I think is a six I would have like I said a million times not to see him play with foreign Elliot was great before he had the injury and they ended up getting him to stay on a bit cheaper, but there's going to be some pressure on a lot of guys next year. Luke Thompson, like we said, big raps came over. I think Luke Thompson has played well. Napa. I think he's improved. Napa's he needs gone to be backwards. Better. Dallin needs to be better. Dallin is lucky. Well, he's been lucky to hold on to his starting job. His, his form hasn't been great. You know, there's a couple of guys. So when you're in. talking about value for money and money in terms of what they're paying players, they're getting. For the few they've got, they're getting undervalued. Kyron, and let's hope now, again, they've paid big dollar for Kotrick. Green's not going to be healthy to start the year. Waddell was a solid signing for a squad move. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see things drastically improving there unless, again, off season, there's some moves that are made. But it, next year to me is a building year. And I said it before be smart with the money. Next year's class is excellent. There's going to be a lot of players off. Don't break the bank. Be smart with your buying. But I think they're going to have to suffer. They might have to get a couple of guys in on one year deals just to kind of fill up the squad. And if you've got anyone again as well in your development players that you want to upgrade, upgrade them. Yeah. Get them in, see what you've got. But I wouldn't be going stupid and trying to break the bank again here. So the pressure's on Barrett, like you said. He's got this opportunity. It's a clean slate. There's a bit of a mess with the board, and I still talked to Anderson. A few others could be moved on, but he's got all his own staff in. They've completely rejigged everything there, cleaned the place out. Now it's a matter of how do they build the squad, how do they change the on-field performance, and how do they build the football club moving forward. Yeah. Um, and in, I dare say, more more so not next season, but by the year after, if things aren't taking shape and they're not getting signers and things looking bad, it'll be trouble again. Well, yeah. Hey, it's trouble. It's going to be trouble until they get results. So let's hope that all these changes, it could bring some stability and things can go forward. But uh, for now, they've moved on from pay whole new setup plenty of players on the way out let's see what they can bring in through the front door 14th the Cowboys feels like this has just been on repeat the last few years 5 and 15 again 1 and 1 pre-COVID already had some issues and similar problems just no consistency a couple of guys that are older that needed to move on who are now moving on Cooper leaving the Cowboys but no word of retirement or if he's going to get picked up Justin O'Neill I think has got time to run Granville too many spine changes yeah. they went from Cotter to Robson, who was good, who then got injured. Granville, in and out. They've had Morgan play, not play. He hasn't lived up anywhere near that money. And again, I know when you're injured, you can't really help that sort of thing. But they need him on the field or long-term, they need to move on. Drinkwater, Clifford, they weren't sure of. Drinkwater's best games are great. His bad moments are really bad. Uh, they put Arcee in for a couple of games as well. They played Hampton there. Too much change in key positions. Not enough consistency. And it always relies on the same person to lay the platform. That's Jason Tamalolo. They're getting value money for out of him, but it's proved again that a million dollars in your key forward when he's got no other help or no one else that's consistent as him doesn't get your finals football. Yeah. Um, I think the only upside you can take again is they've got a lot of good young guys. Uh, they're blooded even more again, but there still needs to be some turnover. And, you know, that's Arcee, Robson, Tommy Gilbert's last few games, Hamiso. Holmes definitely didn't live up to the billing of what they've paid for him. You're expecting to be a lot better next year. Is it as a fullback? Do they put him in the wing and play Hammer there? They're still not any more sorted in any of those key positions. And if Morgan's not healthy, not playing again, well, they're definitely going to be looking to get out of that somehow. This has just got to be... They're going to make sure that this is the bottom ebb for them post-premiership. Yeah. Because you know once you win one or you win two or you're in that little window that you're going it's to going dip. To a cycle. You're going to dip. Okay? So they, they just need to make sure that this is... The bottom of the barrel for them. Uh, look at look at Brisbane, who were in that grand final when they won it. Brisbane, they were in a premiership window at that point in time, missed out. Look where they are. The Cowboys' mission has got to be that next year they they uh, move in a positive direction. There's certainly all the right things in place. Uh, you know, the jury will be out on the coach. He's now got a bit of a rep for being able able to improve average sides pretty quickly. So. You know, if we're sitting in a similar position this time next year, then there will be some pressure on Todd Payton the following year. So, I think he'll get at least next year to make some moves. No, that's what I mean. But but if it's if it's another ordinary year and we're sitting in this position this time next year in a in the same spot, I think 
there will be some questions starting to be asked. And those other names again, like they got Maguire on big money, who's consistent, but probably not to the point of the money they've paid him. And he's, you know, got a suspension and an off-field uh, an incident to get himself sat down for a few weeks. McLean's never lived up to the billing, but he's got an option in his favour for another two years. So they're tied to a couple of deals that realistically, if things don't go well in the next 12 months, they'd probably want to move on from that they can't. Yeah. So in particular, Morgan, McLean, Maguire, like you're talking probably $2.5 million right there. They've got some really good kids that we saw glimpses of, but again, we can't expect them week to week to deliver if those senior guys aren't leaving from the front. So I'd expect uh, Peyton will bring a lot more stability, get those kids in. He proved that he's not afraid to make a harsh call. Um, And again, no signings as of yet. Do they move anyone on? Do they bring anyone in? There's a couple of guys off contract, I think, of the names there. The only kind of one, I, again, I'd keep around. I'd, I, Granville's got a year to run. I'd be trying to move Granville on. Cotter's off contract. I don't know why he wouldn't sign Ruben Cotter. I think Cotter is a young man who get picked up by plenty of clubs. There's not enough good hookers going around. They've got Robson as well. That's a good one-two punch. But there's plenty of guys there. O'Neill, etc. It's It's time. Yeah. It's time for a bit of a clean-up. And they've still got a really good pathway that they've had up there with Kerwin. They've been successful with the Blackhawks. I'm sure this year really hurts them in the fact of that their junior development's been massive for them the last few years and all that got hindered, obviously, with a stop with COVID. But, yeah, again, watch this space in terms of what happens off-season if they make any other moves. The only other name was a signing from Paul Graham was Isar Masters, who apparently they're already looking to get rid of. So that hasn't exactly panned out either. But it has spine, not panned out. Spine, we don't know. I think out. Robson is... Well, they, again, they, they've got players on good money... Who are not performing. Mm. They need to figure out who the halves are. They need Morgan to stay healthy. Holmes needs to deliver at fullback. The only real thing I think is solid right now is that if Robson's healthy and playing the way he did, you've got a nine. And Tal Malolo's your 13. So, see what happens next year for the Cowboys. But I think it's... Is that three years now outside of the finals? At least. Grand final against the Storm was 2017, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't, so, think I don't think they're back to the finals. 18, 19, 20. They've gone three years now without playing finals football. Mm. And, yeah, it's becoming a consistent thing. It's something needs to give. Manly, 13th, 7 and 13. Similar deal. Started 1 and 1 on the return. Hot and cold. You know, had a couple of results that were surprising. Then they pull out a, a tough win and they held on. I think it was against Canberra when they had a couple of injuries and you thought they were going to get that job done. Lost to Newcastle in a couple of close games, and then it just nosed off at the back end of the year. We said it from the start. A lot of people had him as Smokies for the Premiership. Never had him there. Had him at the bottom end of the eight. But depth, and they're too top-heavy. And it happened again. And no one addressed what we talked about at the start, which was the two nines. Mm-hmm. Lost Carousel. Had the Farno incident. You can't really get a good nine on the market. Levi come in. We know what Levi is. He's a runner. Needs to roll off the back of a big forward pack. But they're too top-heavy, and they've got no depth. And a lot of the guys that overachieved last year couldn't back it up this year. That simple. Yep. Injuries are obviously, again, an issue for them on a weekly basis, but you put a million plus into Tom, you put a million into Jake, you put lifetime contract into Terry Evans, you've got three guys that are taking up 3.3, 3.5 million dollars alone. Fanua Blake is on the way out, someone that definitely is a quality forward, despite some off-field stuff and baggage that comes with him, but he was set to ratchet up to 850,000 this year, Tapau's on about six. Walker's been on good money. Like they're just way too top heavy. That needs a rework. Um, I don't know how you address it in one off season because you've probably lost your best front rower 
you don't know what kind of condition your fullback's in and he's still going to go try and play Origin potentially off the back of multiple hamstring injuries. Cherry Evans has got foreign coming back to help him out, but now the talk was they signed him to play nine, which is ridiculous. I think if you were going to convert anyone while Farno's still going through his incident, and, you know, you agree to disagree here, to me, Cust seems the most natural person out of any of those guys I saw play, that if I was going to change their position, it would be him to play nine. But realistically, you need Farno on the field. They've just signed him. They're obviously yeah. backing him with his court case, but with him not there and foreign coming back, like they talk the other day that he would go to nine. What in your right fucking mind thinks that a guy that's constantly injured can completely change his physical makeup to make 40 tackles a game and hold down the middle of the field if he gets injured playing on an edge? And they all say, oh, you know, but he's brave. He digs it. Oh, I get that, but like getting popped a couple of times a game on the edge compared to getting slammed 40, 50 times a game playing 80 minutes in a completely different role yeah, at this yeah. point in your career, that's not happening. The transition to nine is not any easier mm. after all the problems he's had. So I think they're, they're tied to a few of these deals and they're going to be top-heavy for a while longer. Joel Thompson's moving on. There's a back rower that's got to be sold. That's going to be a massive hole for them. Waddell's massive out. Hole. Like, Sirenham was great this year, but again, he still has a niggle every now and then. So I think they've got probably more questions and answers right now. There's talk. Andrew Davey, who's had a couple of good games for... You know, Parramatta will get an opportunity to go over there, which, you know, I think he's looked good, but we've only seen a handful of games. We haven't seen him in a full season yet. Uh, so I think there's a lot more questions than answers for Manly. And I just think the whole salary cap situation, they'll be similar again next year on paper. You'll probably look at them 1-17 to and say they look like a good football side, but I think we're going to have the same problem. Yeah. As soon as injuries or any issues hit, we're going to have problems. Massively. So yeah. the big one was nine, though, and we talked about it from the start. And the Tommy thing, everyone says you can't tell him whether he can play or not. It's not about telling him, but surely they can sit down with him and go, do you not think for your own benefit? Like, you know, we're paying you, but like for your own benefit, is it really worth origin in this season of all times to risk your career or risk, you know, another year of issues? And it, like, surely at some point you just want to get that right. Yeah. This is one year. If I'm, again, if that's me as a player, I'm more worried about my long term health right now than playing COVID origin. Yeah. That's just me. I agree, 100%. Like, how old is he? He's like 22, 23. He's not even that old. Yeah. He's got so long in front of him. They've invested, like, I want to have a career. Agree. This year has not been good. And who's paying his wages? Exactly, but they've been to all these specialists. They said he's been good and he's still having these in- injuries. So clearly, something else needs to be done. Yeah. I- I'd just be wiping this year if I'm Tom. I wouldn't be playing. But he's gone into camp. More than likely, I assume if he's healthy and he's clear, he's going to play. Fingers crossed for them he doesn't get hurt, but... Yeah, Manly's got a bit to address with their squad. I don't know what they're going to do. Um, Fenua Blake and a couple of guys out the door, they've got some more holes to kind of fill in. Desi apparently is looking at getting an extension and they've moved on a couple of players today. But yeah, I think the main thing is to watch where they go with four and Cust. I think Cust is the guy naturally, just as the ball runner. He's very aggressive that I'd be looking to transition to a nine if you're going to patch Emery up. Foreign, Cherry Evans, Tommy. Walker back out to the centres gives you another player that you don't really have right now, along with Suley, Mate Parker, and a few of those other guys fight over some of the backline spots. Yeah, I agree. But and they need more depth. Definitely. Hopefully they can go out and make a few moves, but they're very top-heavy. The other thing, I guess, how this too, bringing Forum back, they talked up Schuster massively, but apparently his manager basically said if Kieran's coming back and that's kind of blocking their pathway, they're not going to be happy. And he's highly sought after. We know that player managers and young guys generally tend to agitate, but that's someone I don't think they want to see walk out the door. Yeah. Exactly. So, again, another thing they're going to have to deal with. 
A lot, of, a lot of good youth there. Oh, yeah. As we know, through the Matsu Ball. So. They've had a couple of good teams the last few years. Farnham's brother played all the junior representatives. He's a forward. KO Weeks, a fullback. They've had a lot of good guys that are still coming through. And Benny Trebojevic as well. I um, still don't know if he's a centre or a back row, but he won't be too far off either. No. But Dragons, 12th, 7 and 13. Poor start, two blown leads post-COVID. Come back week one. We look at the Warriors situation and think, surely the Dragons are up for it. They get towed up. They have a little bit of a short window there where they get a couple of wins. But again, not a great year. All the blame goes to the coach, but he moves on and nothing changes. And the bigger thing here is similar deal again. Mismanagement, issues around the club, people in on selection panels, pressure instantly when they brought Flanagan in and talk about him getting the job. Um, Millwood, hands over the croup in the last few years. He's had nothing to do with his own squad. You've paid Norman Mega bucks playing terribly. Hunt's playing bad football. Jack DeBell and situation still not solved. Those three, again, combined, three million something bucks of your team. Two in key positions, you play rep football who barely look like starting halves playing for your side. Tyson Frizzell heading out the door. Sims injured and, you know, having issues during the year. Vaughn, not the best form. Couple of injuries and a suspension as well. Like any of their top end players did not play good football. And the scary part is at the back end of the year when Clune gets in and Lomax is getting early ball and Dufty's instilled confidence to play. Ramsey's last few games. Even Sullivan. Like, I watched Sullivan and Clune on the weekend and thought, if there was any way, and I know they're playing a second-rate Melbourne side, but looking at the deals that Hunt and Norman are on and the situation they're in, they're probably going to need a bit of a rejig in the next few years anyway. Yeah. I'd be happy to move forward with Sullivan and Clune. It's fool's gold. It's just garbage time of the year, I think. The Dragons... I've got some huge concerns over where they're going as a club. Yeah. Um, Anthony Griffin, the, I mean, the jury's out there. I, I know everyone wanted to run Paul McGregor out of town, but again, like, Who you, have they, have they looked said. that great since he left? And Young, like we said, they were on board for a week, got a good win. You know, would you rather, would you rather McGregor or Griffin? I, I'd rather McGregor. That's my opinion. I don't know, a lot of people... Again, like if they made these changes over these young guys, well, maybe Young would have got the job. I don't think he would have got the job, no. to be honest. I still think he needs to broaden his horizons a bit. And I question again whether he was ready. Not from the on-field stuff, but the comments week by week were fairly abrupt. I don't think that's going to fly long-term if you constantly question your side and call them blokes out. Like, not saying you can't do that, but again, there's a balance between how you handle yourself publicly. That's right. So um, I think, yeah, this needs a bit of a rejig. They're top-heavy. But they're tied to a couple of deals that I just don't think they can get rid of in the short term. So I don't no. think it's going to get any Unless better. someone can take it off them. I think the only real big thing here that I bring up, and I hope it works out, is that Griffin had these two halves that we're talking about, in particular, who were dreadful, at Brisbane. From under-20s all the way through, they apparently are big fans of him. Hopefully he can turn them around, because right now, considering what they're on, <sighs> let's hope he's got some magic up his sleeve. But I'm not I, sure he does. I think there's... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
plenty of good kids coming through, but they need to find their way. And the Figai twins need to be playing more football. Ramsey looks a good player. Sullivan, Lomax was great. The back half of the year, Clune looked good. Laurie showed some signs for it. Like, there's a lot of a lot of younger guys I think they can look towards, but they're top heavy. And Frizzell's out the door. They've got a couple other guys there. I dare say in the next year or two, probably won't be part of the long term plans unless they have a drastic improvement next year. Agree. Yeah. Yeah, if those halves don't work out, I think next year you just basically call it for what it is. If it wasn't working and things weren't looking great, I'd just be going, Clune, Sullivan, you're in. With McInnes and Dufty, and that's where we're going. No, I agree. And the fee guys are in, and I know they've got Ravalawa, um, who they re-signed, but again, probably not on huge coin. Pereira is solid, but Ramsey's look great. Yeah. So Ramsey would be right in the mix for me as well. Um, if they've got a few other guys that are there. Blacker played some minutes in the weekend. I still think he needs to get a bit fitter, but if, if that's the way you're heading and those kids are doing a job for you and they're keen, mix them in with Lomax, it might take a couple of years to turn this around. Yeah. But, yeah, whole new staff, new assistants. That's announced. Peter General's come from Brisbane. Matty Elliott, out of the media gig now and in as an assistant. Completely new staff. Football, jet, like... I think the only thing I haven't heard of yet is if Millwood's still doing a similar role, but I dare say he's not going to have as much control and power as what he currently has right now. But basically every single department, every single level of the Dragons has been swept. Yeah. So, brand new start. And much, much needed from a Dragon sign. Again, no signings really as of yet. I'm sure we'll hear that. There's a few unsigned. There's some players we know that are moving on. But yeah, I'd say watch the space on that one. Tigers, 11, 7, and 13. Um, I think the thing for the Tigers, like we talked about all year, couldn't beat the sides they should beat, got up for some of the bigger games, and then the other part was in games against some of the better sides at the back end. They would roll over in the first 20, 30, cop 20-something points, and when they just played football and realised that if they had a crack, they were in it, it was too little too late. They did it against South, they did it against a couple yeah. of teams, and uh, Maguire rode the horse, Pushed high standards, one of the best out of the squad, and they thought it was too hard and too much. He's still got contracts there and guys that weren't part of his regime that he want to move on that are pulling a different direction. Murmurs around whether you'll be like, again, too much going on. He needs to get Mbai out of the club. He needs to get Packer out of the club. He needs Reynolds out of the club. He needs salary cap space. But again, when they got a little bit at the start of the year, the signings they made, I think they paid overs for. They paid overs for Dewey. They paid overs... Um, to get Leilua in. I think Luciano was good. And a few of their younger guys played some good footy. Yeah. But their best player wasn't in from their own club. And they've moved on Benji, who I thought was probably their best attacking half, and played better with Brooks. Brooks got signed the year before and was the half Dallium half of the year. Now he can't play football and everyone's calling for his head. They don't have an option to hooker. We don't know what the halves combination is going to be. Does Dewey move there? Is that our car coming to play fullback? There's a lot of question marks. They've moved on eight players. There's a lot of guys there, but they're still tight on the salary cap. They're probably in a position where they're going to have to upgrade a few development players just to fill in some holes there. They've got Bloor over, a good young player, but needs development. Kapoa over from the Roosters, again, needs development. They've got Yuta Kamano coming over from Parramatta, who's got huge wraps on him, but again, development. Yeah. I see some positive in the grassroots and wanting to start what he wants, but again, this is not going to be fixed in 12 months. The, the, yeah, and the I issue is that there's already pressure on his job. <sighs> Uh, if they sack him after next moving, year, you are starting again. There's some Literally coaches again. that I know for a fact that have been moved on that yeah. is concerning. There's some coaches there that have been kept that are that's concerning. concerning. Yep. Yeah. 
I think he's got um, he means well in in the job that he's trying to do, Madge. But yeah, I think I think the reality and the expectations are poles apart. The Tigers are delusional. For what they're expecting, fire him for what they're expecting. Poles apart. Yeah, but I think even what he expects of the side. I get that. You know, it's 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 okay to have high expectations. But at least he's driving. But they need to also be. Yeah, but they they also need to be realistic. Yeah. If you say to the players, "I need you to do this," and they know that they can't do it, that it makes that a really really difficult relationship, particularly when you know it's a long term thing. Like a season's a long time. Uh, I, th- I think they finish about where they really deserve to finish, where I expected them to finish. Yeah. Um, did they did they lose a couple of games that they probably should have won? Yeah, but I, every side has that. Yeah. Every team has a handful of games or, you know, at least one or two that they go, fuck, well, we should have won that game. Mm. So even the Panthers, like they only lost the one game and had the draw, but they'd look at that draw and go, look, that's a game we should have won. You know, is little the nine next year? Just somehow, some miracle, they get back to Grant. There's talk that if Brandon Smith got pushed out, they'd be going after him from Melbourne. Why would Why would Grant go back there? No, he's no. He's now witnessed what it's like to be out of Melbourne and at a club that doesn't play finals footy. There is absolutely no way that if there's any remote sort of chance that he's going to be wearing the Melbourne Storm number nine jersey either next year or the year after that he's moving to a club like the West Tigers. No, I wouldn't blame him. Simpkin, probably one of the guys I'll upgrade. Reese Hoffman played one game development upgrade. Jock Madden will probably get up. These are the guys that are going to, oh, have to I think fill one in of those one ways. of those hookers is going to end up one of the Melbourne hookers is going to end up at the Titans. You reckon? Well where where would well, you the go? Bulldogs They're are both hard, but I I'd be going up there too. Yeah, like would you go to the Bulldogs or the Titans? I really like Brendan Smith, but the more I've seen of Harry Grant and the parts I've watched of Brendan Smith, I think Brendan Smith plays better. I think better. they're both great players. I think he plays better as a 13. I think he's sport for choice. I honestly think he's better 13. Yeah, whatever you... So, yeah. Not that I'm saying I wouldn't sign him at hooker if I was the Gold Coast Titans, but I don't know how much I'd be willing to pay him as a hooker as compared to Harry Grant and the skill set. I think the more I see him at 13, again, like that game of the weekend, the ball playing, the aggression, the defense, like he's, like I just think he looks so good just roaming the middle of the field. When he's at nine, he has his chances to jump when they roll, yes, but I just don't think he needs to be parked in behind the play the ball. I just mm. think he looks more dynamic roaming in the middle of the field because he's just such a ball of energy. Um, they probably can't sell him on that role. I wish they could, but if he goes anywhere else still, I honestly still think he's better as a, as a, a 13 and he's, he's basically guaranteed regardless to play nine for the Kiwis. I don't think he loses out either way. Mm. If he's sold that nine's his position, well, all power to you, but man, he plays well as a lock. He makes such an impact on that football side. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, for the Tigers, a couple of guys that are going to upgrade probably play some football. Fox is one they're looking at. Anyone else, I don't really know for now. And even that deal right now, they've made it adamant. He's not going there unless they get something in return. So they're playing hardball, but it's just – it looks like that. And they've cut him off until after the final. Same deal. They don't want to talk to him. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I like the standards. I like what he's driving. But I get the feeling that this will get ugly somehow next year. They'll fire the coach and we'll be back in the same cycle again where guys that were signed, brought in, that coach, there's another excuse, there's another out by the club, new direction, new changes, new... I just... I get the feeling that this cycle's not going to end. I think they need to push through what they've done so far and just back match. No, I'm not saying that they shouldn't back match. just... Because again, <laughs> yeah, if you like start I, again, you know, what I can, are we doing? I can say publicly now, I I've... 
I um, relinquished my position there last week at the West Tigers, so um, I no longer, I guess, not that I ever held back or didn't speak my mind anyway. um, I'm not a huge fan of the direction of the club. Um, And there's just, there's a lot of roadblocks that I've faced there that you just, that influence your results, but are beyond my control. And as a coach, I just wasn't comfortable, I guess, with that, that there's things beyond my control determining results. Um, and it's, it's the club's just in a really, really difficult spot at the moment. A lot of great people there, a lot of, a lot of hardworking people there. There's a lot of people there that want to see the club move in the right direction. Um, I think the biggest issue for that club is the blocks. is the joint venture. Yeah, exactly. Is the fact that Balmain and West can't coexist. Can't coexist. People have got agendas against one another. You're dealing with two different boards. They're trying to pull in the same direction, but they can't. You know the, the yeah, it's it's, it's it's for every person that walks around in a West Tigers polo and is actually doing the groundwork at Concord at the rugby league um, headquarters and are trying to do the right thing by that club. They're all great people. They're all doing their absolute best. Um, there's a lot of influences beyond their control that are determining the outcomes that they're getting at the moment. And, you know, I'm sure Madge has probably come across some of these uh, roadblocks as well, and it's just frustrating. And, um, you know, there are just some certain things that I wanted to achieve that I wasn't able to, some th- certain things that I wanted to have in place that I wasn't, able to not so much get support for but um it just seemed like the same old issues the same problems that weren't getting solved uh and it seems like to an extent they're just happy with mediocrity they're stuck in a cycle and it's going to be hard to get out of because again no matter how hard you try to pull in direction it seems like a lot of people are just happy to do their job and be there that's the big problem and i don't know if it's, it's just gonna, a losing culture i don't know if it's going to change anytime soon but there's questions everywhere. Who's going to partner Brooks? Is Brooks the part future there? Just do we go in if he does? Do they get out of the car? Spine, nine's a huge issue. They've had some good signs from some of their forwards. LIA, I thought McCallie had some good games, but consistency. Garner's already been linked to Manly where he originally started. I think that would be a blow if he left. Um, again, I, I can't really see it getting better. I think there's been some good, good things, but as much on the flip side, there's been some negatives. There's still some big contracts there. There's still some cap issues. It's not going to be fixed in the next 12 months. I think the biggest thing is moving into next year, if they can offload a Packer or a Reynolds or whatever, or that money is free the year after, again, what are they doing in this upcoming market? What are they doing for 2022? I think 2021 is going yeah. to be you know, and they, a similar They, they keep year. talking about junior development, but how many players did we develop that we saw just go to other clubs? Well, the first season, our two best players, after basically being told not to pick your youngs, we're year youngs, Got our forward so year and them, our back of the them, year, yeah. and they were gone. Not because we had anything to do with it, but they let them walk straight to another club who didn't need them or who had plenty of juniors. But straight away, you cut your nose off to spite your own face straight away there. So just th- things like that that just after three years you go well. And this comes back to the point we've talked about: when you develop your own, you don't have your own, you don't have a lot of money. You've got to keep them. You've got to keep them. And I make the point of if you wanted to go out as West Tigers and buy someone from another club who was of that standard, which is what they're doing at twenties level, you would have to go pay like at a mats level five or ten grand or guarantee medical or do something like that. In these cases, for our own locals, they're just looking for medical or a thousand bucks or something like. 
minimal. It's ten times less to keep your own, but you can't uphold that side of it. Well, then how do you expect to keep them? Yeah. And then a year, twelve months later, you're talking in a meeting about who you like, who you don't like, who's good, who's good of character, and two or three that you think weren't good of character, the ones that get kept, and two or three that you thought were the ones they should keep on are the ones that don't get signed. Yeah. And then 12 months later, we're going, oh, well, that didn't pan out, or these couple didn't. Like, again, there's a lot of things where sometimes you sit there and just go, like, you, you can't get out of your own way. Well, yeah, and they're, they're not within our control. No, they're not, because but you're not full But they're affecting, affecting our results in the fact they that you're just you do as a coach. losing your best players when you don't have great players to start with. And again, I wish them all the best and I hope it gets turned around, but I dare say, it, honestly, it's it, at the moment, it just feels like a spin cycle. Yeah. And it rinse, repeat. Yeah. Um, and any time you think you're pulling some sort of direction or things are looking like they're going somewhere, um, you kind of go one step forward, two steps back, unfortunately. Yeah. And I hope it does work out at some point. I really do. They're sort of paddling in the same spot. A lot of roadblocks, but we'll see what happens with them. If they make any moves, they've got eight spots to fill. A couple will get upgraded. I'm sure they'll go out and look for one or two. We'll see what happens with Melbourne. The but then that's the whole issue. How many, how many are you pushing through? Well, there's not guys many. that have been there for a few years. Not many. And again, it hurts them this year not playing 20s because you're not developing those guys. They're not getting footy. Um, I don't know if Jock's ready to come in, but no, he he's will. No, he's not. Simpkin was an 18-year-old who got no football this year. They signed last year, so that's even harder for him to step up and play nine next year. Hoffman played one game, but again, no June. Like, that's a whole year of development gone. They didn't have depth as it was. So, And even like someone like Garner, he's, he's kind of been in and out, but if he goes to Manly, that's, that's a win for Manly. Yeah. And they won't have to pay overs. But for the Tigers, when you lack depth in any spots in the first place and you've got a guy that's pretty solid week to week, like, that hurts. So I don't know how that's going to pan out, but that's gaining a bit of momentum. Aloye, thank God, didn't do his ACL. I think he was probably their best forward. Twyla had some injuries. He'd been pretty good the years prior. But there's been some development in some spots. But consistency, depth, squad, do they pull in the right direction? I, I don't see next year being much better. No. The Warriors... I think this one can be pretty short and sharp because there's a bit of turnover. But coming out of COVID, you would have thought game over. They got blown away a couple of times. They had a couple of good wins, in particular the first one against the Dragons. Towing up from Melbourne was the final straw. They moved on from Kearney. We're all a bit shocked at the time, given the circumstances and what he dealt with and didn't deserve as much. They got flogged again. And then Peyton basically just questioned them, like, what are we doing here? If we're going to be here, if we're going to suffer... Like, let's make it worth our while. Let's do something in the whole bubble, the group being together, being in each other's pockets, a couple of lone plot. They're just bored into the whole environment. I think the bubble environment suits them to a T. They're not traveling every week internationally. They're not having the comfort or the, the breaking of the patterns and being at home and eating. Like, just some of the things that you generally hear that they struggle with in the Warriors setup. I think the bubble suited them to a T. Um, and even losing international wings, Fusi to a. Marmolo, Parsi went home, like losing those kind of guys, loaning players in. They just got more resilient as they went along. Katoa was a hell of a fight in the back row. I honestly think that the way they played their football, the back end of the season, and Tohu, Jazz, etc., and the way the forwards played, Tanoa Brown was a good find. Um, did it help Nikarima? I thought he played some better footy. Tavita Harris coming in and him made a decent combination. You got Evans coming over, Aitken, who will be solid on one side of the field. On the flip side of that, you've got Hiku found his best form. Bring Brown in, two of us to Shaq, put those international wingers back in the halves combination. Uh, I honestly think next year, depending on where they are, which is the big question, adding a couple of those guys back in and, and the base they've built off this year, if Brown and Gould come in and the club starts pulling in the right direction, the link with Redcliffe's going to get more juniors and 18s can get back up and running. They're in a really good position for 2021. They're in a fantastic spot. They really are. Um, 
the forward pack good? Like I said, the only real question I have probably is nine. Is it Egan? Is it Lawton? Is that your long-term solution? They're going to need to go and get one. The kid we watched in the 18s, one. and again, pity it got cut off because I was looking forward to go over there, was he the was captain. Yeah. Can't remember his name, but I'll tell you what, if he develops anywhere like we saw him playing and his vision, his ball-playing abilities, like he was a really well-rounded player. Yep. He wasn't your run-of-the-mill nine at 18s. You sit there and go, yeah, he defends well, he runs, or he's like, like he ticked a lot of boxes for what you want to see in a nine. Probably, again, development hurts him. He didn't get to play 20s cup, etc. But I think they've got one in their own pipeline and a couple of more forwards that are going to be pushing through in a short period of time. Murdoch Masilla, I don't watch enough of the Super League. He's come back over as well. Um, it's just more whether they can ride the coattails here and what the hiccups are going to be. Like, if they have to go bubble situation again, do those guys not want to come back? Can they emulate their success the second time around? Will guys buy into it again? I don't I think that's probably their biggest question mark. Yeah, that that's exactly Bubble right. Bubble two point oh may um, prove too much. That's right. We, Is there an appetite know. to do that again? That, that's Coast, exactly right. Clip, right. It's my big. Yeah, it's not. If we go off playing ability squad and the direction they're heading, all great. Those external hurdles and COVID will be a big determining factor as to how I think about the Warriors next year coming into the season. Yeah, um, I thought all positives in a lot of areas at the back end of the season. Forwards, halves, Harris leading with like yeah, Katara looks great. Some of the signings good. It's all positive. It's just where, where things land. Gus, Brown. Oof. Ninth. The Titans. Good start. No, it wasn't a good Up start. Up and down. No, sorry. I was going to say good ending. Up and down to start. First 10 games of the year, I guess. Hit and miss. Bad. Some spankings, Rolling through yeah. the same thing. You know, working through players who you want to play. He, he did exactly what I thought he would do and persisted. Unlike other coaches, with playing his Jamie and Joel Leafs and blooding some guys and Stones and for more, Aaron Clark, he just wanted guys that are willing to play football. He dropped bigger names, he dropped Boyd, he dropped Wallace, Pete's, he did not care, which is the right way to go about it. And it built up in some of these young guys some confidence and opportunity and built a good, you know, just a good rapport and a good culture about what was expected. Defense became a priority. They played actual football not structured bullshit they moved the football they played to their strengths and I think the biggest win of all to come out of it despite the results where things sort of turned mid-season after two close games with Penner from the Roosters for me was realistically all the bad contracts are almost sorted and any of the contracts that seem bad those players are now playing good football so Boyd retires you free up 600 the Cardi standoff comes to an end no one's interested he walks out Pete's deal is expiring I don't think his is more so to a lot of injuries and other things. Like, I don't think he's a bad footballer, but it hasn't worked out, plain and simple. He's moving on. Proctor re-signs on a cheaper deal now and is playing better football and looks like he's in. They got rid of Watkins. The bad contracts that were left would be Peachy, who at the back end is the 13 has been good the last few weeks. Wallace was a terrible deal. Looked like he was gone, starting to play some better football. And Ash Taylor is an absolute abomination of a deal coming in here that you just thought, this needs to be gone. But with Fogarty, Brimson... The forward pack, Fodawaka, finding some of these guys and, and just kind of rejigging everything and getting him happy and getting him confident. He's definitely not playing a million dollar football, but I tell you what, it's a lot easier to pallet right now with what's going on around. Absolutely. Him. So I think those six or so players and deals and what you would have looked at before and thought half my salary cap's absolutely just an abomination, half of it's gone and the other couple are playing up to more close to the standard. And the best part is Taylor's got one year left and I don't think he's going to go anywhere. And with Tino, Fafido, and all the good recruits that are coming along, I think he would probably, if he plays like he played those last few games, will take a probably middle 
kind of tier deal. And their cap will be in great balance. He's got a halves partner. He's got a full pack. He's going to have a hell of a forward pack. And their, full, uh, their back line. Semi played some good games. Spry, the last month or so, was outstanding. Yeah. Um, They're Kelly, always developing. Kelly, like, you know, their, their left edge was just absolutely dangerous the last few weeks. And add for feet to that left edge and flip Proctor to the right, put Tino in as a middle and leave Peachy at 13. Like, you've got such a versatile multiple forward pack with guys that have got power, footwork, offloads, the ability to pass. Him and Fogarty, either side of the field, Spry, Kelly, Semi. I, I think, realistically, the only question again is nine. They've got Clark and Rain on the books for next year. Rain's doing a solid job on the back of that forward pack. You know what he'll do. He'll run. He'll pass. He's not a long-term option, but I think the biggest thing now is just picking the right number nine. Yep. And I wouldn't blow my wad. And that, that's what I mean about Smith. I'm not saying don't. I wouldn't sign Smith, but I just think hooker money or like top-line hooker money. I know he plays hooker for New Zealand, but I honestly think his best position is 38. I think I'd rather get Harry, and I know that probably won't be the option, but I don't know what's up for hooker, but I think if they get the hooker right, they've built some depth to it. Like, on top of that pack that I just mentioned with SESE, Tino, Fafita, Proctor, Wallace, potentially coming off the bench, fought to Waker, like, Stone and Fomor had some good games and played. Yo, Lift's still only young and played some good games. Like, they've, they've actually built Lasone and his ball playing a bit of versatility. Like, they've actually built some depth this year with their lower end and who they've played and what they've got up to scratch, and then you bring in the top end they're bringing in. Yeah, but this all, this this all needs to come together with a good year. preseason. They need yeah. to start the year... When, well, when the games actually mean something, they need to be playing the same brand or, if not, better football. And that was the only other They need to win some games when it means something. Because I, I, for too long, this club has not been able to win in pressure games. Yeah. And I think they put the cherry on the top at the back end because not only did you have good Five results, in a row, you but had some wins. The, the season was gone. You hadn't beaten the top eight side either, and they dusted a finals team in their last game. And I know yeah. they're not their best version of themselves, but still, I think that's a real kind of cherry on the top to finish it off. Five in a row. Positive finish of the year, settle on a lot of spine positions, good recruits coming in, built some good depth. Um, probably nine, like you said, the last thing, and a few more plays into the squad and building some quality. And I think another thing they've done quietly over the past two years, and I've been happy with a lot of things that Melbourne has done, but I think Holbrook definitely coming in has helped out accelerate things the last 12 months, but they're fixing up their junior pathways as well. Yeah. So they're going to bear some fruit. In and that. that's not going to click and happen overnight either. So. And part of that comes down to a guy I mentioned a few years ago who... I was coached by in Canberra, David Hamilton, who's gone out and done the grassroots, Northern Rivers and Sixteens and Andrew Johns and Daly and Tweed and all those areas for him. He, I think, he's uh, at the Bulldogs now. He's now moved on, but he was yeah. at the Titans first. But he had some health issues and kind of stepped away for a bit, but got back involved before he moved on. I think there's a lot of good things that have been laid in. And like you said, I think the biggest thing is bringing those guys in, tying that group together next year and delivering. Yeah. And if they do deliver with what they've got coming in, Looking at who else is there, like, I think there's no reason if they're healthy and what they've brought in, they don't make the It's probably a good lesson. Up. It's a good lesson for Brisbane. This is how long it takes to turn a club around from a handful of bad decisions. Hmm. Jared Hayne, firing Neil Henry, and Garth Brennan. Three bad decisions. And it's now what? It'll be 2021 by the time we get back on track. That was 2016, 2017 when we did that. So it's almost four years. I think the Hayne thing was when I came back from Europe, from memory. I was just about to leave and announced it, and I was like, wow. Yeah, and basically told New Henry we don't care what you think. Like this is to sell yeah. jerseys and make a Henry bit of money, and it ruined all the groundwork you like. Made the finals that year, and then yeah, yeah, no good. Didn't work out too well, did it? Well, there you go. There's a season review for the bottom eight sides. We will do reviews for the teams as they're eliminated. So next week, 
We'll obviously have two reviews from the teams that get knocked out in those elimination finals. Cronulla and Newcastle. To the week after. Next week. Etc. and all that because at the back end of the season we're obviously going to be rolling from grand final review straight into... I think it'll be definitely big Cronulla next week. Definitely going to be a contender for it, Matt. I think I'd agree with you. But now we look at the finals. We should just review Cronulla now. Nah. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be some Cronulla fans off. I'm just saying, mate. They really should have finished ninth. Well, if the season was four weeks longer... If then, Kevin Proctor didn't get sent off... I'd have to put it not. this way. I think the Titans and the Warriors on their form would be coming after Newcastle and the Titans as far as the way they're playing their football and how they're playing right now. Mm. And I'm sure if you told Canberra uh, and South that those were the two matchups they're probably going to have in week one, they'd be more worried to play the Titans or the Warriors than what they'd be worried to play the Sharks right now, given form. I think you're right, mate. In the squad, but... Look at the eight finals teams right now, those match up our thoughts head-to-head... Uh, and obviously bets and tips obviously always important for everybody out there but move me in Boxhead we talked about it last week new sponsor on board you posted the links up don't know quite yet if anyone's jumped on board or anything I haven't really spoke to Chris too much about last weekend but good service yeah the answer is a pineapple the answer is a pineapple we haven't got that information yet but Chris good egg Good service and just one of those simple things. Isn't He's that a real? fucking Titans fan, yeah, mate. Yeah, no. So, you, you found a buddy, mate. Someone else who's been thriving in it's your all pain. It's about, mate. But pretty straightforward. When's the last time you've checked your gas or electricity bill? And seriously, who doesn't like saving money? I love, love saving money. I love saving money, yes. Right, me too. Because that means I can buy more schoonars or I can bet more on the football. You don't need that, mate. That is a positive. So, basically... Get on board with Move Me In. It's in these times in particular that it's important to put as much money back in our pockets. And we all know it has been a difficult year. So through their new our new sponsor, Move Me In, you can compare your current electricity and gas bills in less than two minutes and you can change to a better deal without having to speak to any call centres. And that's, you know, I fucking hate call centres. They're terrible. They're terrible. I will bark it up. I will spark it up. I will hit the digits on my iPhone and get there. But, wow, two minutes. Jeez, that's quick. Not only that, but if you do get a better deal with Move Me In, and you definitely will get a better deal on your electricity or gas, they will shout you a dinner with $45 of Domino's pizza and two free coffees to participate in a local cafe. How good's that? Save hundreds of dollars on your bill, get a free pizza, jump on the Facebook page, and uh, <laughs> click on the link. We'll chat that up again. But I love pizza. I like pizza too, but honestly, <laughs> it's delicious. More importantly, I like saving cash, because like I said, cash equals yeah. betting and schooners. Gas and electricity bills, water bills. That's right, mate. They're all shit. No one likes bills. They're no good. So if you can save some cashola, you're on board. So if you're you're interested and you've never checked your rate, like I know some people even I talk to at work, blokes, I've never even bloody looked at this. I'm like, you know, what's wrong with you? It's because you're an idiot, mate. Fucking you don't like money, do you? Yeah. Pretty simple service. Get on board. Move me in. We'll chuck the link up later on. Save yourself some cash. Get some free Mm. pizza. Get one of those American-style bloody... Yeah, the New Yorkers, they're so Oh, we'll back it up. We like scooter and pizzas on the fifth and last. We do. (laughs) Jumping in now. Games to the weekend. The teams, Brock, Panthers, just going at the teams before we get into it. They've been excellent this year. They've won 15 in a row. There's probably nowhere on the field you'd say is really of a weakness. Their forward pack's great. They get a great roll on, and more importantly... Awesome nine who's just completely changed the dynamic, holds up the rut, can play straight, get them out of the advantage line, makes everybody accountable, which then creates space on the outsides. Two dominant halves complement each other. Luai, probably the better runner, more creative on that very, very dangerous left edge with Kikiao, 
Crichton and Mansour, who's been the beneficiary. Size, speed, skill, offloads, power. And when they get lazy on the inside, he's got the ability to cut in off his left foot, his short kicking game. Nath pulls the strings. Kicking game, solid running, bloke you just don't run at. Great defensively. Just guides that side around. Just as dangerous on his side of the field. Probably don't get as much love, but Martin's been dangerous. Really, really developed. Naden outside him, Toto. They're good in yardage. I think the only real question I guess we've had, and we've said it most of the year, is Edwards at fullback. Can't question his work ethic. Can't question what he does on the ball, but does he add enough with his ball playing and how dynamic he is? He's pretty straight up and down. Bench impact's been good. Um, as far as a weakness or something for a team to go after, like a Roosters well, they're, or a they're, I think their age is their biggest and experience yeah, is their biggest they do weakness, down, perceived weakness. But we, we, I don't really... I think they can make errors. They, they, that game against Parramatta, they started to... Get frustrated. Get yeah. frustrated, make some errors, move the ball sideways a little bit. Um, I, I have questions over how they would execute their attack in wet weather. So if they ran into some wet weather, mm. that would pose, I guess, some difficulty. Uh, and I, I think if a team gets after them physically and tries to rough them up and plays a little bit dirty... Bit of discipline. I think that might... No, yeah. I'm not worried about their discipline. I'm just worried about their ability to just weather that, respond to that, how they would deal with that. Mm. So there's well, yeah. a few things there. There's a few things that I'd be doing if I'm coaching against Penrith, but that's more because as a coach, I would acknowledge that they're better than me. Yeah. They're better than the side I've got. So I think from an ability standpoint... They've got all the ability in the world. All the ability in the world. They, they can win this comp. They could win this comp 13+. plus. Mm. My only thing about everyone is you go, they haven't, we haven't seen this and they haven't beaten that wall. Yeah, well, we have maybe you won't see it because no, maybe I mean, they don't need to do it. They haven't let anyone. That's half the point. They go, yeah. oh, well, they didn't play... Well, they did play Melbourne. They played them early, but they beat them. They played the Roosters first. I would argue Melbourne were, were playing better back then than what they are now. So... Like, you know, you can only beat what's in front of you. But the biggest thing is you don't win fucking 15 in a row by fluke. So all these theories about the young, and we haven't done this, and they haven't been put under the gr- like. Well, you put yourself in that situation. It's not their fault they've scored the first try and like fucking fought into the 15 games and have beaten the shit out of everyone, scored points, and it's been ruthless and relentless. Like, that's that's where they're at. If they get challenged, and if it does happen in the final series, we will see their true colours. But if it doesn't happen, and they go on to win the comp and win 17, 18 in a row, whatever it works out to be, yeah, you can't question it. You can't. But I think, yeah, basically what you said, if someone does put them under the torch and get them offside, get them a bit impatient, I think just a little more variety inside 20 at times. Yeah. Maybe, uh, you know, they've picked off some of these these other sides, but Roosters, Melbourne, if they're going to play a few of them a few weeks in a row, maybe a bit more variety and patience inside 20. Um, I guess the only thing defensively I've seen during the year, and I mentioned it before, didn't happen many times. It was mainly in games where they already blowing it out, was teams kind of getting at Luai and kick out. Kick-out times can be a bit erratic. Luai, if you can isolate him, somebody you can get over the top of. But, again, it wasn't a constant problem. It wasn't something you saw every week. It was more in games without a blowout result. Maybe things got a bit scrappy. So, looking good. Storm, great pack. Excellent nine. Rotation off the bench and the impact they get there. I don't think they're going to struggle at all. Going toe-to-toe, forward packs, rolling to the middle. The man that operates the middle of the field, we know who he is. His kicking game, his control, everything. Left side's absolutely outstanding. Munster, uh, Addo Carr, Olam, Rock Sol, very good defensively as well. They're in the middle. The concern on both sides of the ball, I guess, for Melbourne's their right-hand side. Hughes has been really, really good. Solid player. Uh, he's got Felice over there, solid. But I guess in attack, you're not going to get as much probably on that side of the field. They don't tend to go there as much. They don't throw lots of complex shapes. And defensively, in particular, the last month or so, in some games, we've leaked points down that edge. Mm. They've been a bit disconnected, in particular, at centre and wing, Suli, Branko, 
Um, so I think for Melbourne, that's their biggest concern. But the one thing I guess we know about Melbourne, crunch time games, big games, they give you nothing for free. And if they do manage to win week one and get to a prelim, it's very, very likely that the Storm are going back to the grand final. Yeah. Uh, I think just their cohesion is probably the biggest issue. They've had guys in and out, and but they've still been able to win. They just haven't won really convincingly this year. I don't feel as confident with Melbourne what I have as what I have probably the last four years. But they may be leaving their best footy for finals. And if that's the case, then if they've got improvement in them, they're a chance of winning the comp. Simple as that. I think the pressure for me is on Munster. Fords, I just, they're Fords. I don't know. I don't know whether they are what they, they were through the middle of the field. You know, is the soft for Solomona playing his best footy, Bromwich, the Bromwich brothers? Finucane's a week away, so we have to wait and see. So, yeah, it's just that, that's probably where Tino my questions Smith, lie. Felice. Tino's been great. Felice has been okay. So, that, that's probably where my questions lie. The outside backs have been solid as normal. Pappenhausen's been good. Halves have been a little bit chop in terms of in and out, and Munster's had his issues with his knees and. Um, Hughes has been been good, but no, they're 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 right in it. I think your issue again in a big game, points they've showed this year probably more than ever. Points haven't been an issue, but I think there's going to be more pressure on that left side, in particular Pappenhausen, Munster to come up with a bit. Smith's got the middle down pack. Hughes is solid on the right, but I think if we get behind in a big game, it's going to be on Pappenhausen and Munster to come up with something. And we are fairly left side dominant. Yeah, so uh, that's probably the one thing for Melbourne. Roosters, well, I know last week's probably not the best thing, but prior to that, I would have said I don't really see much of a weakness at all. They've got a great back five. They're good defensive on the edges. You know, I think the biggest question you had for them with their pack, their rotation, their depth and everything was nine. Injuries hurt them at nine. Well, they've lost Beryl, Bradley, Friend. Now now he's missing. Lussick. Fourth stringer. Lamb. You know, they've had Corner with concussion, a couple of guys in and out. Are they in the best condition physically heading to these finals? They're definitely not. And that's that's where... That's a question mark I've got over them. They've got talent. They've got the best coach or one of the best coaches. They've won the last two comps. Confidence isn't going to be an issue. They've got all the experience in the world. Are they fit? Are they healthy? And are they, are they as mo- right? motivated? Yeah, that's the question. And this week, we saw it last week. People go, oh, where'd they get in defense? Like, they got them everywhere. Yeah. They weren't sticking in the middle, which then in tail means you're tighter and you've got less numbers and you can pull the edges apart and they yeah. isolated their halves really, really well. So... I think full strength in games during the year, the only real spot of concern yeah, for me... Penrith is just a, as potent as South, yeah. or if not more. The edge that concerned me during the year when they were full strength was Manu's edge, because at times he he had some pretty poor decisions this year. Yeah. And a lot of them weren't ones where he was beaten physically, like he just made bad reads or he came up and got himself caught. Like That seemed to be the only spot during the year that I looked at consistently and thought, well, they're finding tries there. Every so often, but, but they've 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 said that they're going to rest friend. Is that right? So yeah, last explain. You know that's that's the area of weakness. Otherwise, I think they're going to run out pretty much their stronger side, aren't they? Manu's, Manu's Tupo, back. Morris, Manu, Morris, Kiri, Flanagan, Rhea, Lasik, Toki, Cordner, Tupanua, Liu, Lamb, Collins, Crichton, Sonny Bill. Yeah, there you go. I'd probably be starting Crichton and putting Tupanua on the bench. I think Tupanua gives you better impact off the bench. I'm with you at this point after watching the last few weeks. He's kind of flattened out a bit playing on that edge. I think his energy off the bench was awesome. Yeah. Crichton's been great. That might be a late change. I'd keep an eye on that. And I'm just not sold on Kyle Flanagan yet. 
He's young, he's developing. And that's the other one I was going to say. I think there's more so, pressure heading the finals on yeah, like Tedesco you, you and Akiri. Yeah, like you Kronk out and put Flanagan in and then you're missing Friend. Like, they're too yeah. significant. Tedesco is one plus Radley. I think he's had some good games during the year, but he's had rest. He's had bits of, like, he's got a fighter in the final series. Time yeah. for his best football. Kiri's had some absolute corker games and pulled him out of the fire a few times during the year. But I think now it's Tedesco's time to shine. If they're packed, they're back through. Everyone does their job. They defend well and they tick all those boxes. These need to be Tedesco's two or three best games. Yeah. Right now. Uh, other than that, all around, great side. Just, yeah, hopefully last week was a blip on the radar, I guess. Yeah. For the Eels, I, I got big concerns. They started the year really, really well. Their forward pack was dominant. They had offloads. They generated ruck speed. Brown, coming of age, took massive pressure off Moses to kick and control. Their edges look good in attack, but as the year's gone on, Pressure without Brown there falls to Moses. Moses, too worried about the kicking game, not engaging, not digging a line, playing too sideways. Left side dominant without Brown there. They haven't been able to utilise that left-hand side. They're back three. You know, not the greatest set starter. Sebo doesn't contribute anywhere near as much as what he can. Ferguson, people saying he's had a bad year. I think he's trying, but he doesn't get a whole lot of help. They don't get a whole lot out of nine creatively for money. Like, I think there's just pressure on a lot of those spots. And they've named Brown this week off that injury. They've got Will Smith there as the backup if he doesn't play, but I just feel like in the big games during the finals, there's not enough in the spine there to help out. Like yep. If Brown's not healthy and 100%, which I don't think he will be, I think that's a huge knock-on effect because they already were not getting a whole lot probably from the nine position in particular. Marnie's pretty straight up and down. Like He's added some strings to his bow, but realistically, defensively and playing over the advantage line, he's pretty straight up and down. Um, Gutherson sweeps in on those plays as well, but... I just think if, if it's more on Moses again to kick you to a win or guide you to a win off the way their forward pack's been playing, in particular their right edge defensively, been terrible one, the Blake and Moses himself. I've got a lot of concerns. Two keys. Uh, Number one, they need Brown back, fit, firing, playing his best footy. Number two, they need to find that identity, run hard, tackle hard, offload, power game, um, aggressive, fast-moving defence. move the ball on the edges. Yeah. Because they've been forcing shifts, not off the back of Moses. That's their go. Start of the year, those shifts look great because they were tearing middles up, getting blokes caught to their liner on the back foot, and they were playing numbers or playing the space. That's just not happening. So, interesting to see if Brown plays this week. If they don't, and they say he'll be ready for week two, again, is he ready to go? Is he going to be at his best? Are they going to be able to turn around for week two? So, mm. pressure's on from the word go, but they've got Melbourne up in Queensland. It's going to be a big ask. Souths, again, they've been their own worst enemy, really. Some of the games we've seen, just poor errors, penalties. Defensively, I think they've been prone to be beaten on the edges. Some decisions, Reynolds is someone you can go after. Walker at times isn't the best defensively, but when they're on their front foot and they're playing their absolute best football in attack, they're just dynamic. They really, really are. Cody Walker on his best form. Like, I banged that drum so hard last year for him to play Origin. I know it didn't yeah. work out, but on his day... They just need to produce their best footy for Oof. four weeks straight. That's the question I've got over South. Mm. Is their best footy good enough? Clearly it is. Is their worst footy diabolical? Yes, it is. Yeah. They need to cut down the errors, have more discipline while finding the balance in playing that style they want to play. Simple as that. Mm. And they probably need to defend better. Yeah. When they're placed under pressure. That, that game against Melbourne, they had gluts of possession... Oh on Melbourne's line, Melbourne turned them away, then Just Melbourne had come down and, and they go bang and score. More resilience in defence. Yeah. I think, again, Reynolds kicking game and control, 
on the back of doing that so Cody can just fight around, pick his mark. Like, he should never be stationed. The way they've been using him since Latrell went out where he just floats and basically plays that roaming role and almost sweeping sometimes as a fullback. He's running game, his impact there, putting blokes into space, creating space. Like, and Cook needs to be better as well. Like, there's still, there's still a lot more there, which is basically the thing. There's potential and there's room for growth and there's room for what we saw last week. Can they deliver during the final series, though? Yeah. And Tatola, is he healthy? I don't think Murray's played anywhere near as good this year. Um, there's question marks on a few of those guys. Their best football needs to come now. Liam Knight, I thought, was going to have a big year. In all honesty, he's been pretty ordinary. This week needs to be the time he plays his best football as well. Murray, Cook, Tatola back, like, etc. All those guys need to fire, get a good platform, open the field up for Walker to do what he does best. Yeah. So, see if they can string things together. Newcastle, um, not feeling too great about it. I think they're very flat. That defensive energy at the start of the year's gone. They've had so many injuries. Did you talk about the Raiders or did you, skip, did you skip the Raiders? No, nah, I've got the Raiders in here. I'm just going down the list. I just wrote them later, I think. Yeah. That's my bad. I had them in order, but you're right. You got me. Um, no, no, I'm not trying to get you. I just think Newcastle. Oh, back it up. They just look done. I think there's too yeah. much reliance on Pierce and Ponga. I think their forward pack struggling with a bit of the burden there. Wherever Ponger is, you put an extra number. Pierce has to do all the kicking, all the control. I think it's taken away from him completely as his running game. Lino's been up and down like a fiddler's elbow. I'd honestly would have rather probably played Crossland or Mann, push Randall into nine. I think Randall's little stints haven't been too bad. but From Adam O'Brien this weekend, I'm just kept pouring down the middle of the south. Yeah. I'm going to try and bust him up through the middle. Uh, you, need, you need your best Clemmer, footy. Barney. You need all that, that, that aggressive football. And then just play direct and straight with our running halves on the back of it, and Ponga. Uh, that that's their go. And then defend hard. You got to be able to shut down what South are going to try and produce, because they need quick rucks to produce the magic that they're uh, they they carried on with, you know, sort of the last month. So, you know, again, you got to be aggressive, get off your line, close dangerous space, make sure you're getting into them. Newcastle can do it. There's a, there's a blueprint there, but. They're just so inconsistent. Even Newcastle. across eighty minutes, they're inconsistent. But I think last time they played, I think you'll find Newcastle won. Yeah. Was it Bank West from memory? The South made a comeback late and just came up short. I think. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm worried. I think. I think they're done. Mm. Too much reliance on Pierce Ponga. Um, I think things are flattened out. There's some young guys in there that have had a big year. Like Best had a red hot crack the other night in his first game back and absolutely blew himself out having a squealing carriage, but. They just didn't look at all. To, I, I'm sure the energy will be back this week, but they had a home fine on the line. I thought they would have turned up a bit better, try to get that game and rock up week one. But I, I think South will be able to do enough. Like you said, as long as they control their middles, who have had a big year. Safidis have both been out with injury suspension, Clemmer, etc. If they control their middles and put pressure on Pierce and Ponga, I, I can't see it being a good day for Newcastle. Mm. Let's put it that way. The Raiders, spoke about before. They've adjusted to the injuries and the changes they've had during the year. Some of their young forwards have been absolutely outstanding in stepping up. Hudson Young, in particular, the growth we've seen there. Starling's growth at nine, re-signing today. Tapine, Papali, just absolutely carrying things. The two Pommies, now that they've been back on the side. And Jack and George have sort of stepped up, and particularly Jack. But I think the big thing, we've seen it, uh, chasing points. I think in one of these games, if they get down, chasing points... The kicking game from the halves isn't the most consistent. Their control is not always consistent. Their patience, and they don't get probably as much, again, uh, help from one and nine as what they would. Starling, good run of the football, good playing up the middle. 
Chance gives you plenty of effort and energy from the back, but again, Chance is not someone who's really chipping in with ball playing and creativity. You know, Jack's kicking game, long kicking game has been a lot better, but he can still kick one out of the full at times and put one 20 rows back. George, some of his decisions at times, his form, the back end of the year, you know, it's been okay. I don't think it's been great. I, I kind of question them at the, in this final series, in all honesty. Yeah. I think they're they're going to play their style. Yardage, you know, they still get good from Rapana, Kotri, etc. I think Croker's edge at times you can attack defensively and go after him and, and try and get at George as well. A couple of teams picked on that left-hand side, George, at some stages. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it might be a bridge too far. Again, wouldn't surprise me. With the right result week one, having a great matchup with Cronulla and potentially getting a week two matchup uh, in the form of who would we say they're going to get? So they're five and eight. They're going to play Penrith. So if those guys have an Roosters. absolute war and say it's someone like the Roosters off the back of two bad losses and a hard game and they fire up for last year and get one over them, it wouldn't surprise me if they got to week three. But I can't honestly see the Raiders in the grand final. Me either. And I can't see them winning the comp. I think they've overachieved to this point with the squad, the changes, the injuries, and what they've dealt with. I think the biggest thing to take away as a Raiders fan this year is the great crop you've got coming through. Yeah. I mentioned at the start of the year about Smith Shields, Tomoko. We've seen Hudson. We've seen Gula when he was healthy, Horsberg. They're building a real good production line and a good top 30 there. And With the guys that played on the weekend, like I mentioned, in particular at the start of the year, Tomoko, I'm not worried about Kotrick going for six hundred grand. I like Kotrick, but I'm not paying Kotrick $600,000. No. So, yeah. No, no. Last one, Sharks. Tell you what the Sharks should do. Go to church. <laughs> well, again. Pray for an earthquake. Injury, suspension, and inconsistent. Like, you know, it's, it's been a hell of a year. Moylan basically has played zero football. Fafita's been in and out. Dugan has been most consistent injury-wise, and he's been all year, but he's been in and out. Johnson's torn his Achilles. Tracy, Trindle, Chad being suspended. Johnson, like, they had multiple halves combinations. The only real consistent piece of the spine has been Braley at nine. But forward pack when they're on, been good. Outside backs, Katoa's spark plug, Muli Talo, Ramian's a powerhouse, but defensively, they've got zero resilience and they're terrible all over the field defensively. If they have to back up sets, if you can put repeat pressure on them, if you can get a roll on, they crumble. They are a bad team. So I just don't see the defence improving. Um, they contact, they work together, winning rucks, edge defense, like they're They're pretty poor if you get them on the back foot. I'm with you. If they get their tails up and they can attack off those tackle breaks, your talakais, all these guys have been good this year and I think they've overachieved again. I considering. think Johnny Morris has done a good job with he my has. boys, mate, to get I them to the finals. Fafita's playing on one leg. Chad Townsend tried to kill someone. <laughs> they've had their issues, he mate. tried to break Josh Dugan, like a pinata. I think Josh Dugan's had a good year this year, mate. He has, mate. He's had an underrated year. He has. I think he's been really good. So... Again, hard circumstances for him. Not his doing. Injuries, plays, sherry, more, like just things that are out of your control, but they've got there again two years in a row. Yeah. I think he's proved he's the man for the job, but yeah. There you go. That wraps up. Look at the teams for the finals. We'll do our tips in the head-to-head matchups and finish up with uh, some tips and some betting predictions. The first matchup we have, obviously, the Friday night blockbuster at Penrith Stadium, Boxhead Panthers versus the Roosters. For Penrith, Dylan Edwards is back. Fullback, Mansour, Tyler on the wings, Naden Crichton, centres, Luai, Cleary in the halves, Tamau, Fisher-Harris, front row with Coruscant at nine, Kikau back in the back row with Martin, Yo and the bench, May, Leota, Tedavano, and they've gone for Catewell over Lainu. 
Um, and in their extended reserves, they've got Kenny Faro, Burton, and Lanu. I think the only change you could see is possibly Lanu, but uh, Capewell started the year before that injury. Good in the, the small samples he's had since he's been back from that injury. So obviously yeah. they're going for a versatile bench. I guess the only question really there is... More experienced player as well. Probably short one middle, realistically. But looking at the way they've got their forward pack there, they might push someone else into the middle. They might push Martin into short the middle. Short middle. They've got Tedavano and Liotta. Oh, yeah. Sorry, May I mixed it up. 13. I've just mixed it up, yeah. So they've got two middle rotations. You've got May who can cover anywhere, basically, in the spine and... Back line for that matter, and Kate Wall's played anywhere from wing centre back row, just a good footballer. So yep. that's the option they've gone with there. Roosters, uh, Tedesco, Tupo, and Brett Morris back on the wing. Manu back in the centres, Josh Morris, Harves, Kiri, Flanagan, Rhea Hargroves, Tokyo, Lussick in at nine this week. Big task. Uh, first week of the finals and first finals game for the kid. Cordner, Tupanua, Liu, and the bench is Liam, Collins, Crichton, Sonny Bill. So again, bit different with their forward pack. It's pretty versatile as far as the way they rotate. You'd assume Crichton come on and play as a middle. You've got Collins, who definitely plays as a middle. Lamb will be nine cover, I assume, and Sonny Bill, middle role, floating around. Um, I'm more with you. I think I would have gone Tupinero off the bench just because I think the energy in those games early in the year, it was just excellent. Yeah. But he definitely deserves his chance on that right edge, but I think the way they've been playing the last few weeks, Crichton's probably better over you know, an 80-minute game rather than Tupanua having that great impact off the bench. So um, it's a tough one, but what do you reckon? I'm I'm honestly, I'm going to give slight favoritism to Penrith just because that Penrith home final of the crowd. But this is a lot worse matchup week one than what it would have been playing Parramatta. And oh, I don't know. I think it's more just what I saw last week. But it, if anyone could beat them, it'd be the Roosters. No, uh, tipping Penrith. I'll need to see some, some bounce back out of the Roosters. But it, it wouldn't surprise me. Well, no surprise if that right edge leaks. I know they've patched up again this week, but it's probably the only spot again, like I said previously, with Flanagan Manu, where there's been some poor decisions this week. You'll have no doubt they'll go after them with Crichton and go after him with Kikau in particular. Kikau yeah. will give Flanagan nightmares. He's going to need some help out on that edge, 100% there. Tupanua is going to be on that edge as well. Um, if they can get Kikau going, get some quick play the balls, get some second phase and roll, I think the middles will be an interesting matchup to see how Tokihara and Rio Hargroves try to put it over the Penrith pack. But Tarmau's been solid. Fisher-Harris has been outstanding. Yo's been really dynamic through the middle this year. Um, yeah, and I think no doubt they'll get some traffic going at Lussig as well. So pressure on Tedesco and Kiri here to take control and lead into a victory. And on the flip side, Luai, Cleary, Chorus uh, here, time to shine at home. So... Both on the Penny Panthers. Get the odds up for that one when they eventually decide to load. A dollar seventy-seven of the Panthers, two hundred five for the Roosters, minus one and a half is the line there. The early Saturday game. Raiders up against the Sharks. Clogstad back at the back. Valamay, Kotrick on the wings. Croker, Rapana pushing into the centers. Whiten and Williams back in the halves. Papali, Dunamis Louis start in front row. Starling at nine. Bateman, Whitehead, Tapine on the bench. Harvili, Soliola, Hudson Young, Harawi, Renora. It's, it's a very good-looking bench, let's put it that way. Now they've got a few more players back. <clears throat> Shark side of things, they get some players back as well. Kennedy at one. Katoa, Mulitalo on the wings. Dugan, Aramian centers. Tracy and Towns in the halves. Ueli and Woods at prop. Braley back at nine. Nakora, Wade Graham, Rudolph. And on the bench, Talakai, Sorensen, 
for Feeder and Williams. It's a better lineup than last week, but Canberra in Canberra, Raiders. You'd have to think Raiders will get the job done here, but definitely a stronger lineup. But the odds for this one with the bookies, it's a dollar twenty. Massive favourites there. Sharks four sixty. What's that? Fourteen points is the start. Yeah, big. That's a big start. It is a big start. Uh, I could see them winning, and I could see them winning well. But given the lineup, there's a lot of place back in there for the Sharks as well. Yeah, it also wouldn't surprise me because it got a bit of history if it was a closer game. We don't know what Canberra we're going to get. Let's be honest. We don't. But their kids were great last week. They did very, very well. If they're at their best and they're serious down in Canberra, um, you'd think they'll get the job done. Plain yeah. and simple. They yeah. should be the better football side in this game. The Sharks, it's basically what we went back to before. If they're put under pressure, if they have to do back-to-back sets or you can get rolling in the middle, they struggle defensively in all areas. They're not connected. They don't win rucks. They don't communicate well. Um, you can really, really pick them apart, and they can self-destruct. But Raiders, hopefully now early errors, get some points, get some confidence, and get a roll on. Saturday game, Storm up against Parramatta. Melbourne basically put their whole team back in. Papineau's at the back. Vuni, Adokar on the wings. Branko Lee gets the nod at centre with Olam, Munster, Hughes, Bromwich and Welch starting front row with Smith. Felice Kafusi, Kenny Bromwich back row. Nelson at lock and the bench. Brandon Smith, Tino, and now Tom Eisenhuth and Nico Hines. So again, a bit of utility in Hines. Eisenhuth play middle, play edge, play centre at a pinch. Tino, Brandon Smith, nine middle, back row. So we'll cover there. Parramatta. Gutherson at the back, Sevo, Ferguson, Jennings, Wanga, Blake in the back line. Dylan Brown has been named, yet to be seen if he does end up playing, but they said they'd probably name him. Regan Campbell-Gillard, Marnie, Paulo, Lane, Madison, Brown, their best forward pack. Will Smith on the bench, I assume, will come in if Brown is out. Andrew Davey, Kane Evans, Murata, Nia Corey. If that move does end up happening, uh, the options, Takarangi, Alvaro, Oregon, Ray Stone. So... Depends, I guess, what they want on their bench at the moment. They've got two middles, an edge and a half. They might go with Stone. They might go the extra middle in Oregon. Or, or they might go for Takarangi for somebody. But the Storm up there, um, their recent form. The players back in off a rest. Parramatta. You can take what you want out of last week. Some said it was bad. They got behind. Some say it was good. They fought back. This is a completely different kettle of fish. And the odds on this one, same again. $1. twenty for the Storm. 460 for the Eels, minus 14 is the line. So, big glut of points there. So, they're saying that Parramatta are the same chance of what the Sharks are beating the Raiders. Yeah. That's a little bit disrespectful to Parramatta, I think. There you go. 14's a big line. It is. The last game, Newcastle up against the Rabbitohs, ANZ Sunday afternoon football. Corey Allen, who's obviously been great at the back the last few weeks, developing nicely. Johnston, Jackson Pull on the wings, Campbell Graham and Gagai in the setters, Walker, Reynolds the halves, Tatola, Cook Burgess in the front row, Sewers back on an edge, Searin on the other side, Murray, Loxett, Nichols, Knight, Cartwright and Kolomatangi on the bench for Newcastle. Ponga, Edric Lee, Tuala, Best and Hunter the back line. Lino stays in the halves of Pierce. Clemmer, Mans at nine, Safidi, Daniel that is, Lachlan Fitzgibbons back in the back row with Guerra, Barnett, Chris Randall on the bench, Jacob Safidi, Essie Siani Mataudia. So a few small changes there. My opinion, I would have went with Randall at nine, pushed Mann back into six, so I just think they're better off that way. Yeah, I agree. Um, Randall's looked pretty <coughs> solid in his opportunities, gets over the advantage, like at least plays. 
Lino's been too hot and cold for me. Yeah. And if not, I would have rather pick a Crossland or something like that, do at least throw in or Tex Hoy, go out swinging. I just think they're better off doing so. But um, they've been up and down as well. One week they lose to the Bulldogs, next week they beat the Roosters by 60. But if South are serious, they should win this game. Yeah, South. So, no what, surprise. What would your line be on this? I'd probably have it 10. Yeah, probably nine and a half, ten. And what have they given? They've given eight and a half. Yeah. And the dollar thirty three, South are the favourite. Three thirty five for the Knights. So unanimous the first week. I think most people the only game they're probably going to be taught on is Panthers Roosters. Yeah. And I think a lot of people lean towards Panthers. That's more on reputation of the Roosters, not yeah. so much form. But the result. So we've got identical there. Last week you got four, I got five, so we're all locked up, one nineteen. After this week, we'll be locked up as well. So, see how it pans out the last few weeks. But is there anything there betting-wise that you'd go for? There's not a whole lot of value. Penrith. Dollar said, I'd confidently take that. What's the line? Minus, I'd take a minus one and a half, two dollars. Two dollars, yeah. Lad breaks two dollar lines. Yeah. Take that one. Um, and then I'd I'd probably go into then, if you pick my own lines, I'd take Raiders minus three and a half. I'd take the Storm minus three and a half. And I would take South Sydney minus three and a half, all of them. Mm. To bump your odds up a little bit. You usually get an extra probably 20 cents if you go to win by four. Mm. Um, see if there's alternate lines on there now. If the markets are up. Probably there should be, yeah. yeah anything. So South, you get about $1.60 or $1.58. Minus three and a half. Yeah. yeah. So if you did that for a couple of them, I think the Storm one would probably be a little bit less, probably more. I'd probably go, or you could even split them. You could go Penrith... Um, Minus one and a half into Raiders, minus three and a half. Have that as one, and then go another two legger. Melbourne, you'd be better off just taking the dollar twenty. They're only offering you a dollar twenty six for three and a half. So if you just wanted to put in a multi, six cents is probably not worth it. No, if you went those they, two, the three and a half at a dollar sixty, then Penrith. Gee, they're really keen. They're super keen on. I'd probably go more the other way. I'd probably then go and take Parramatta with eighteen and a half. Try and take three. I thought similar for Cronulla. I think Cronulla's put enough nah, back in there. No, no, no. I know they're poor, but if they no, do turn no, up, no. Dig, but I don't know. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd take Parramatta plus eighteen and a half. I don't, I don't think Melbourne are going to are going to flog Parramatta. Hmm. Don't know. Interesting, but I think the only one again, Panthers Roosters. I know you get more off reputation, but we do know that if Penrith, you know. Penner for their best, they'll give them a right crack. But if the Roosters at their best, they'll certainly be a handful as well. So, of course, yeah, of course. Um, NRLW starts again this week as well. Competition kicks back off. So Roosters, Dragons, their GIO Stadium, the game before there. and the So Warriors. is it again a three-week comp with a grand final? I think so. So it They've starts got to expand now. it. They have to. They definitely have to. But that'll mean that there'll be two games on grand final day then. The girls' game will be out on grand final day as well. So if, will, they, will they let them this year with bubble conditions? I don't know because these games. Oh, I think so. So what day is the? Wouldn't they just put them in the? Wouldn't they put them in the sheds or or let them get ready over Raiders, the Raiders is Saturday at GIO. But if you're worried about that, you you'd then the girls are yeah they're Saturday. Yeah, they're both. They'd be in a bubble as well, wouldn't they? I think they are. I haven't seen a whole lot of the last but few weeks. But if you're worried about that, wouldn't you just get the girls ready over at the New South Wales High Performance Centre and make them come down the tunnel? Mm. You I could keep them totally separate. Yeah. It's grand final day anyway. They're going to break the bubble. Yeah. Yeah, it's fair enough. Two games, big boy. That means we can drink probably ten schooners on grand final day, <laughs> yeah. not six. Yeah, I was going to say, if it's one game, this shit's going to be weird. Usually, it will be weird, I love yeah. a long day. The long day's good. Maybe we, maybe we can get another game one, mate. 
we could get dunno. They should just open it up. Journos versus X players, mate. Yeah, get bats out there and Whoops. scoop two scoops hoops. Get them out there. On the sea do. Spark it up. Yeah. Yeah, grand final though. You don't seem overly excited, mate. I'm, I'm pretty pumped about... I'm very excited. We're going Friday night. That's going to be good. I'm excited for grand final. I am. I've, you know, now that things have changed, it's back to 50%. ANZ. If we don't get tickets... 40,000. I'll be, kill someone I'll if I get a ticket. What, what the fuck's the membership for if you can't get a ticket? We'll be getting a ticket. Seriously. We'll be fine. But yeah, I think this year in particular, after things happen, I, I Origin, not as excited as what I usually would be, just because it's all different. I think everyone will get excited when it rolls around. But I mean, After Grand I'm Final, everyone's excited. going to be like, oh, it's usually that lull. Now it's going to be, fuck, we've got Origin. Oh, but GF I'm keen for. Yeah, I get year. that. So am I. But once Grand Final Day finishes, you watch everyone spark into Origin. Just going, how good's this? Mm. So. There you go. Week one, we've arrived. Let's see what happens. But if things play out the way we've got them playing out here, Storm week off. It'll be Canberra Roosters. Panthers week off. And we'll get Raiders and Roosters grand final rematch. And we'll get Souths. Souths and Eels. Eels, that'll be a belter so, as well. And then if it goes the other way around, the winner of Eels. You get Penrith Eels. Souths will have to go and play the Panthers. Yep. And you'll get um, Storm Roosters. To make the grand final. Wow. So there's some good matchups anyway. It works out really. Yeah. Um, looking forward to it. Absolutely outstanding. Outstanding. We're here. Everybody enjoy. If your team's still in action for the finals, best of luck. If your team's missed out for this year, too bad, so sad. And hopefully things get a bit better in 2021, but we've arrived. The finals are upon us. Looking forward to the action on the weekend. Let's see how things pan out over the next four weeks. And for now, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on, give us more, give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.